All right, guys, welcome back to another podcast on Everyone Hinge. Today, I'm once again joined by my co-host, Oscar Silva, and we've got such a fantastic episode to talk about. We get to talk about UFC Vegas 53 and UFC 274, a pay-per-view that we've been waiting for a very, very long time because that main event, Charles Oliveira versus Justin Gaethje, that's such an intriguing fight, and we get to talk about it all here in the podcast. So, Oscar, how's it going over there in America? It's going great over here in America. We have so much to cover throughout this episode. We had an action-packed UFC Vegas 53, and we have an even more action-packed UFC 274. We're also going to touch a little bit on the Bellator 280 card, but I say we kick it off with UFC Vegas 53, Font versus Vera. This was a very uh, good night at the office for Marlon Cheeto Vera. Despite the fact that he was getting outstruck in every single round. In the first round, Marlon Vera, he gets lit up like an Ecuadorian Christmas tree by Rafan's boxing. He looks pretty bad, I would say. But come the second round, we see more of the same. Rafan is simply looking like the better striker out there. But Marlon Vera is not a guy that cares about banking rounds. He's a fighter's fighter. He goes in there to knock your head off. And that's what he did. He really rocked Rafan big time. I believe it was with a kick. And Rafan just lost his footing and he went right down. And Vera landed heavy elbows. It looked like Rob was saved by the bell. The third round was pretty much exactly the same. Uh, but I believe it was a knee that knocked down Rafan. And once again, saved by the bell. Fourth round, like I will tell you. All of these rounds, Rafan looked like he was on his way to winning the round. But then Vera rocks him again. It was just same thing happening over and over again. Even in the fifth round, uh, Rafan gets tagged again. I felt like Vera had the power advantage. I felt like he was a little meaner in there. Rafan, even though he's uh, he had a lot of output, Vera was just so defensively sound. He was getting touched, but he wasn't getting touched super clean. So that was the difference maker here. I feel like a lot of them uh, just uh, hit Vera's arms. I don't know if those numbers are all the way accurate, but yeah, Vera got it done. And this was the largest strike differential um, win for uh, for a winner in UFC history. Like Vera got outstruck by 112 significant strikes, still won the fight. That shows you just how much damage he did uh, throughout the course of this fight. And this is finally Vera getting over that hump. Feels like he's been on the outskirts of the top guys for a while. Now he's number five in the world. What did you make of his uh, really gritty performance uh, this past Saturday? It was a fantastic performance. It was a fantastic fight. A gritty performance uh, uh, from both men. Uh, but as you were talking about, you know, the volume of fun. Uh, it, it is, we always knew that's what we're going to get. And uh, it just shows he just lacks the, you know, the necessary power that Martin Vera has uh, to damage his opponents. If you look at the faces... Of them at the end, the end of the fight, yes, it's a totally what what we're seeing here on on the screen, the stats. It just shows a totally different story. You'd maybe think Marlon Vera landed that many strikes, um, but it, it was it was it was just a completely different story. Marlon Vera hits like an absolute truck. He mixes it up. His kicks, um, that kick, I, I can't remember which round it was in, but he, he landed it and it looked like a sweet chin music. It was lovely. Um, he, he was mixing it up really, really well, and um, one of the best performances that that I've seen, if not the best performance. Uh, but as you talked about, he's always get he, he's still got hit, but 
uh, he, he did the damage. And um, I think this is a great fight to show to the fans um, when we, you know, when we get a close fight and they go, he threw more strikes, he did this and that, did that. I think this would be a great show uh, fight to show to the fans. Like you might throw a lot more, but if you look at the story at, at the end of the fight, it, it shows a different totally story. So, it, I mean. It, Monty Vera put in a fantastic performance, as did uh, Rob Font. He just um, it just couldn't deal with the, the, the power, and, the, and it was um, significant in there. It was uh, but I think for Font, um, yeah, I, he's always been a volume sort of guy. He just you know likes that, as I talked about, likes that power. Um, that's something that you definitely have to work on. Um, st still a fantastic fight, still up there in the best. But Monty Vera had his number that day, and I think it was as you talked about a hump that he needed to get over. And uh, if you're Monty Vera now, you're probably feeling good. Uh, ranked number five, top five in the world. So, you know, it's a big one for him next. And I, I, I like Dominic Cruz. I think that one next is a, a, a good one. But I think Dominic Cruz is um, in the works for Marab, apparently. Yeah, that's what the UFC wants. Uh, Marab Devashvili actually told his coaches that was the direction he was headed. So I think that one probably is going to happen. And I think Jose Aldo will not get a title shot just because Dana White already said TJ is getting the title shot. So, I think we're going to see Jose Aldo versus Corey Sanhagen. So what does that leave for Marlon Chito Vera? He can either rematch Song Yudong, which I, I don't know if Song Yudong is there quite yet in terms of the top five, or he can fight the number one contender, Piotr Jan. And I think that's the fight. I think Vera versus Jan is the fight. I love the style of both men for five rounds. In three-round fights, they might lose the decision, but if you see them in five rounds, you you better you better rethink signing that contract because both guys are made for five rounds. Marlon Vera is cardiovascularly gifted. This guy was barely tired at the end of this fight. It looked like he like he slipped on concrete and fell on his face. That was about it. But M Rob Font looked like a zombie. He looked like Rob Zombie, I guess you could call him. Looked to be in really bad shape. Probably broken orbitals. Uh, massive damage done to him by by uh, Marlon Vera. Both guys are extremely durable, super durable. Uh, Rob Font, in the Jose Aldo fight, he showed just how tough he was, and he impressed me even more than the Jose Aldo fight in this fight. Uh, for Rob Font, this is a really bad couple of fights because he's got a knockdown, I would estimate, like seven times in his last uh, two fights. It's bad news, and now he's getting a little older. He We might be seeing the decline of Rob Font. It's sad to say, but... That's just the case uh, there. And as I said, for Vera, he's finally shown that he can compete with the top guys because even though he was once on a seven-fight win streak, he was not fighting these uh, high-level guys. Now he's beating them, and he's beating them very convincingly. So I'm very excited for the future of uh, of Marlon Vera in particular. Uh, I've been a fan of this guy for a while, and people forever were clamoring to see the Sugar Sean O'Malley rematch. I think he's way past that, and I think if those guys ever fight a five-round fight, I think uh, Sugar Sean O'Malley fight fans are going to be crying once again. One hundred percent. I think uh, the different level with uh, different moments of their career right now. Yaman Vera is just in a different um, wavelength uh, compared to Sugar Sean. Sean's uh, still trying to break into the rankings, still trying to get that fight, but uh, Vera now top five as well. So uh, George J put into the chat Vera versus Cruz. Uh, I, I, I like it. Um, I, I think. Uh, as I talked about earlier, Cruz getting matched up with Marab. I think that's the, as you were talking about. So, 
Um, definitely, I think um, Vera called out Dominic Cruz after the fight as well. So yeah, um, yeah. So it, it definitely makes sense. But maybe if if the UFC go in the direction of uh, Cruz versus Marab, uh, I, I don't mind it. But uh, Vera now top five, so uh, he's got a little bit of bragging rights over Cruz now because he's actually ranked above Cruz now. So yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, it was a fantastic fight for Vera. Um, he got the job done, and it was the correct decision. But the co-main event was that the correct decision? This was not the correct decision by any stretch of the imagination. I felt that Jake Collier got robbed here against Andre Arlovsky. Uh, it was a split decision for Andre Arlovsky. Uh, one of those judges knew what they were seeing. Unfortunately, the other two just, uh, I don't know what they were doing. First round was a very clear uh, Jake Collier run. I really thought so. Uh, Jake Collier got some control time up against the fence. He was laying some heavy strikes on Arlovsky that really... I felt got Arlovsky's attention. I think Arlovsky do, did a lot of good work in that first round. The second round, on the other hand, Collier did have uh, did land some more impactful strikes, but Arlovsky in that round actually was more accurate with his striking, and he actually outstruck him that second round. So I thought second round was pretty pretty clear for uh, Arlovsky if you were looking at the numbers. Uh, come the third round, that was a really even round um, until. Jake Collier got that takedown. I feel like that takedown really set Jake Collier, uh, uh, you know, set him above Arlovsky. And before that, I, it was a slight lean for Jake Collier in terms of the striking. So I thought that Jake Collier did enough to win the fight. Uh, not only that, um, Mike Brown, Arlovsky's coach, he told Arlovsky that uh, Jake Collier was up two rounds after the, after the second round. So... Even Arlovsky's coach scored the fight for Jake Collier. Arlovsky admitted he was uh, he was scared before the red of the decision. And you saw Jake Collier in his mind. He he really thought he won the fight. That's why he collapsed after they read the scorecards uh, were in the favor of Arlovsky. thought this was uh, another unfortunate decision where Arlovsky just didn't deserve it. I thought he lost the Jared Van Der fight. He got outstruck in the Van Der fight. He actually got some control time. Um, used against him in that fight. I feel like Arlovsky, every time it's a close decision, he wins. And I don't think he deserves those wins. Uh, same with the Tanner Bozer fight. I thought he really lost that fight, but it's, it is what it is. I feel like maybe these judges uh, might have uh, a little fanboy in them for Arlovsky. That's just my take. 100%. Uh, I, I do agree. I think Jake Collier won this fight. Um, I think it showed at the end of the fight, and I think it shows on the stats and um, Jake Collier landed more, the, the, you know, the wrestling worked, he got the takedowns, um, as you talked about, you know, Jake Collier got that round one, I think that was clear a day, and uh, yeah, it just did go his way, you got a few badge of Jake Collier, I think even um, John Anik, who was on the mic that day, put uh, put in the comments that you got to feel bad for him, um, should have got the win, it should have got the win, should be a green stripe on his Wikipedia page, I think he put, uh, but yes, uh, Jake Collier, you know, I think, he, I, I thought he'd done enough, and um, clearly other people thought he'd done enough, so uh, you got to feel sorry for him, but um, you know, it's uh, Andrew Olovsky getting another nod. Um, that as you talked about, probably shouldn't have uh, shouldn't have been his. So, uh, you know, the Tanabosa one, as you talked about, and Jake Collier. So, he's getting the lucky side of the, of the straw. So, um, his luck's gonna run out soon. So, uh, as it as it, as it usually happens, if you get a lot of luck, it's gonna come back and, and, and get you. So, uh, I think Jake Collier, you know, probably got move forward. Um, the UFC will uh, probably keep moving him in a, in a forward moment. Uh, mo motion um i mean there's a you know some good fights out there outside of the, the rankings for him um but yeah 
he should have got the job done. Uh, what well, he well, he should have got the nod. Um, you got to feel bad for him. Disappointed. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, it, it was um a, a decent co-main event, but you know it was a uh, not really much to to live up for. Um, to stay up for. Uh, but yeah, it was a fantastic one. But you know, John Brito, uh, John Arno Brito uh, versus Andre Feely. That was a, that was one to stay up for. Oh yeah, that if you were if you're a little bored by the previous fights, which I don't know how you were, uh, Joris Abrito, he definitely woke you up. Uh, but he may have put the the lights out on Andre Philly. Andre Philly uh was a big favorite heading into this. I didn't agree with that. I felt like Joris Abrito is a menace in that first round. I don't care who you are, you can get tagged or submitted by this guy in that first round. Super explosive, and he showed it off here. Philly was trying to use that jab, but uh. Brito knew exactly how to counter it right before Philly threw the hook to follow it up. Joanna Shabrito threw an overhand right from hell, and it connected right on the button, put Philly down, and Brito followed it up with vicious ground and pound, and the ref waved it off rightfully so. Uh, Joanna Shabrito, I feel like he was really underestimated by a lot of people, including myself. I thought that Philly would be able to weather the storm. He was not. Brito is very physically imposing in there. And I feel like it takes in the chat there saying Philly has no chin. I think that's way off. He's shown it many times that he can take a really good shot. I feel like the only guy that knocked him out before this was Yair Rodriguez. Yair Rodriguez kicks like a mule. And Jordan Sabrito hits like a truck. So uh, I think that's an unfair assessment of Philly. Um, as I was saying, it's going to take a really high-level fighter to overcome Brito's physicality in there. And uh, Philly... It appears he's not that kind of fighter. So, for all the props to Joyce Brito, he deserved that uh, performance of the night bonus. Yeah, it was a fantastic, uh, you know, fight for as long as it lasted. Forty-one seconds. He put the light out, the lights out on Trifilli, and it was um, a, a well-needed win in, in his um, in, in his debut. Uh, it didn't go his way, but you know, bouncing back with a win over Andre Philly is a fantastic way to bounce back and get his first win inside the UFC um, against a veteran like Andre Philly, a, ve- a veteran who's hard to put out. And the way he done it as well was uh, spectacular. Um, but yeah, uh, as as you talked about, he, he, you know, physically he, he looks like a specimen, and uh, definitely he's gonna have to uh, get you know move that up in the ladder, get some hard fights. But uh, maybe want to look out for a featherweight division, uh, putting you know Andre Philly's lights out like that, and you got to take notice. So the, the, the and the featherweight division is stacked, and um, yeah, um, th- th- there's some great fights out there they can make with uh, Brito in the featherweight division. But you know, it's um. I was just impressed of how how quickly he put out Andre Philly. I didn't expect him to put out Andre Philly that quick. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, I think, as you talked about, I didn't really expect Andre Philly to go out. Uh, to be honest, but as you talked about, when was the last time we saw Andre Philly, you know, put out like that? And it was, uh, as you talked about, against Jair Rodriguez. So it just shows that, you know, the, what the what power he carries. And uh, yeah, it was, it, was, it was a fantastic one-punch knockout and he and he got the job done. And it was a, a good stoppage too. Um, I, and, you know, it was a great fight for as long as it lasted. Uh, it just shows, you know, uh, you know what Britain can Britain can do. Finally, he can showcase that. But yeah, uh, some great fights in the favorite division uh, for him. Um, I'd like to see. Where, I, I, I'm intrigued to see where it goes from here. Yeah, I agree with you there. I feel like there's a lot of good options. I think Pat Sabatini is the best option for him right now. I think that that would be a very uh, big test for both guys because both guys have not exactly fought a guy like each other. So I say buck that one right away. We'll move on to the next fight. Grant Dawson got that third round rear naked choke submission victory over Jared Gordon. 
Grant Dawson. Uh, he follows me on Instagram. I'm a big fan of the guy's style. He's a grinder. And more often than not, he's able to put guys away. So when he fought Jared Gordon and he wasn't a bigger favorite, I was thinking Grant Dawson is definitely the guy you want to bet on. Uh, Jared Gordon uh, has been unable to beat guys the caliber of Grant Dawson. Um, yeah, George J. addressing uh, the chat uh, properly. Uh, Jared Gordon in this fight, he was having a lot of success in the striking realm. I felt like Grant Dawson might have a chance of rocking Jared Gordon. Gordon stayed out of trouble on the feet and did a lot of good work. But plain and simple, Grant Dawson was a better grappler. Uh, Jared Gordon even got takedowns of his own. Did not matter. Grant Dawson uh, was able to uh, scramble out of Gordon's uh, dominant positions. And eventually he found that choke after tiring out Jared Gordon. Gordon gave up his back. And that's not something you want to do against Grant Dawson. Dawson has a fantastic record of 18-1. and one. Uh, He's now training at ATT regularly spars with Tiago Moises. Uh, I really like Grant Dawson's uh, forward trajectory after this one. I felt like he overcame the, the who was it, the, the Ricky Glenn performance that was underwhelming, but in this one, he looked much better. I think uh, he has something in the works next, so I won't bother matchmaking for him, but very happy to see him get the win. Yeah, 100%. Uh, as you talked about, Grand Dawson, a fantastic prospect here in the lightweight division. And getting a good win over Jared Gordon, who was a former featherweight, stepping up. Uh, but yeah, Grand Dawson getting that submission win against uh, Jared Gordon. Um, yeah, in, in round three, it was a great fight for as long as it, like, in round three uh, he gets submission win. Uh, but yeah, it just showed that there was different levels on the ground um, uh, for, between Grand Dawson and, and Gooden. Uh, Gordon, I mean, uh, but yeah, on the striking realm, I thought Gordon was doing good. He was, um, you know, you know, holding his own, but I just ultimately, um, obviously, the you know, the getting that grappling takedowns uh, is where Grant Dawson. I thought uh, Grant Dawson, where Grant Dawson shined, and I thought that move to ATT, ATT um, really showed itself in this fight. I think he looked better, um, and uh, I think it was a good move for him for his career. So yeah, definitely, definitely a wise one for him. And uh, uh, Grant Dawson, there's a lot of a lot of good fights for him out there, uh, but there's someone in the chat that probably uh, uh, doesn't agree with it. Uh, Dawson will lose to eight out of the top ten. I agree with you. I'm a big Grant Dawson fan. I don't think he's. Uh, I don't think he can beat most of the guys in the top fifteen. I'm just saying, Grant Dawson, he's the caliber of a top fifteen guy. I think he can. I think he beats uh, Diego Fajeda if he fights him right now. I agree. I agree. He'll get knocked out by the top ten guys. But I didn't say he was there uh, quite yet. Even though I'm a big Dawson 100%. fan, I think there's huge holes in his uh in his striking. We'll move on to the next fight. Darren the Damage Elkins, he fought his kind of fight against Tristan Connolly. He got the unanimous decision. Elkins kind of did what he wanted to in this fight. On the feet, he was able to tag Connolly. On the ground, he was able to, um, I would say, out-muscle him and get a lot of good ground upon going, some mean elbows. Uh, yeah, this is your typical Darren Elkins bloody fight, and I loved every second of it. Hundred uh, percent. When Darren Elkins is in, in a fight, you know you you know you you know what you're gonna get, and you're gonna get blood. Uh, but it, it, I don't think I, I I didn't see. Maybe his nose was um. I, I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, but Tristan Connolly, uh, you know, announced himself into the onto the UFC without you know the performance over Michelle Piero. Uh, you know when, when Michelle Piero gassed out, and then uh, we saw what happened. Then then he lost to um uh, after that. There you go, Pat Sabatini, and then against Darren Elkins. Darren Elkins is just a gamer. Um, he, he grapples you. He's um, uh, he wears you down, and uh, that's what we pretty much got in this one. And uh, Darren Elkins is, is a fantastic fighter, still holding his own at his age. 
Um, uh, it, it was good. It was a good. It was a fantastic fight. Uh, Darren Elkins is. Um, you, you know. You know what you get for Darren Elkins, and that's um, wrestling one hundred and one. And uh, that's what he did in this one. And uh, it was a good performance. And um, uh, I, I would be. I would be proud for that performance if I was Darren Elkins. Uh, but Tristan Connolly, a, a, a lot of things to work on. Um, but yeah, uh, put, put, in my eyes, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't know where to put him at this point. But Darren Elkins um, puts himself back into that um, win column. I believe. I, I believe so. Uh, yeah, a much-needed win uh, for Darren Elkins. And, uh, I mean, the featherweight division is just stats at the moment. And um, Darren Elkins uh, has, been, has been a veteran, a long staple in that division. Um, I can't remember when he made his debut, but he's been around for ages. And uh, he's still getting it done. So it's always good to see the old men uh, getting it done. Yeah, he looked a lot better than he did in the Cubs wanted fight. As I stated, uh, the striking danger from Tristan wasn't exactly there. And that was a difference maker. Ooh, out in the next fight, this was the opener of the main card. Christoph Jotko got the unanimous 30-27 decision over Gerald Mearshart. I felt like uh, Jotko should be should have been a bigger favorite here. I know Gerald Mearshart pulls off these comeback submission wins. He's got uh, the most finishes in middleweight history, but Jotko fought the same kind of fighter. I, I would argue maybe even more dangerous, uh, Misha Serkinov. Misha Serkinov was a light heavyweight fighting huge guys as an undersized guy and just getting crazy submissions. And when Jotko even took down Misha and was not even threatened by his submission attacks, I knew Jotko would thrive against Gerald. Uh, Gerald was unable to pull off anything off of his back. Uh, Jotko got every takedown he wanted, and not for a second was he in any danger with these uh, sum the submission offense of Gerald. And on the feet, it's obvious uh, Jotko's a much uh, cleaner, experienced striker. And Jotko, he performed better than Gerald in every aspect of uh, of the game in this fight. Uh, George J in the chat says, Jotko's so smooth on the feet, the way he bounces in and out. It's slick. yeah, I like I like uh, Jotko's uh, style in terms of if you want to bet on him. As, as a fan, I want to say he's the most entertaining guy to watch. Does not have any real power. Doesn't really go for it. Uh, but if you want to bet on the guy, he's like the, the guy's very consistent. He's very consistently effective. And uh, what do you make of his performance against GM3? I mean, it was a fantastic uh, performance. He did what he needed to do. And I thought, uh, you know, the grappling of Mershaw might um, uh, might trouble him. But it, it just seemed like he was just an uh, edge above the grappling as well. He seemed like he was the better grappler. Well, well, the better grappler on the day. Um, he, he was he was doing well on the grappling uh, aspects, and he was just always one step ahead. Um, the scrambles were good. Um, you know, I, I, I don't think he even had to escape a submission at one point. So, uh, it, it was good performance, Jodko. Is um, you know, vote twenty-seven all scorecards. You can't really complain. The striking though is what I was really impressed with. Uh, we knew how good he was, but yeah, the way he picks his shots, the way he bounces in and out. Um, the fans were booing him uh, at the end of the rounds. Um, because it, it, the prelims were that good. Um. Unfortunately, he had to follow up, but you know, I, it was a fantastic fight. Um, I, I'm not too sure why the fans are booing. I thought it was a great fight and he uh, put on a great performance. But in round three, he was getting some hefty boos from the fans, and uh, possibly I don't really agree with it, but you know, um, I, I thought it was a great performance, entertaining fight. But uh, Jotko didn't what he needed to do. And if you when one I was looking at it, was um, you know, entertaining to look at because obviously his striking was um, phenomenal, uh, the way he was bouncing in and out, um. Uh, picking his shots, his accuracy. Uh, it, it just all clicked together uh, on the night for Jotko and um, puts himself back into the, you know, the win column after that loss against... Um... It was Sean Strickland. 
There we go against Sean Strickland. So yeah, puts himself back into there. And I, I feel like I honestly do believe Jocko could probably be top ten, uh, top fifteen. So uh, I, I think there's some favourable matchups in the top ten, top fifteen for him. And uh, uh, the UFC we have, have to match him up wisely. Yeah, I think he beats Uri Hall if they ever rematch. I'll just put that out there. Move on to the prelims. Alexander Romanov, biggest favorite in the history of the UFC, fought Chase Sherman, who had just been cut and rehired simply for this fight. And Romanov looked every bit of the minus 2,200 in there. Like he did not get touched in this fight. He got every everything he wanted in this fight. Even though Chase Sherman got up a couple times, he slammed it right back down the mat, right on his head. Uh, and as soon as he went for the for the key lock, it was right there. And Chase Sherman, not exactly a great defensive grab, but showed it off against Shea Collier. And he tapped right away. This was dominance on the Romanov side. And I think he's ready for uh, for a guy like Andre Arlovsky next. 100%. Uh, I, I do agree. I, I talked about before we went on air. Uh, Alexander Romanov uh, is a fantastic fighter, and he did what he needed to do. Uh, I, I was talking to him, as you can see there, he didn't even land a strike. Uh, but he just shows the dominance, um, uh, the pure dominance for Romanov. And uh, we, we knew that before going into the fight. Um, Chase Sherman just getting the call up on short notice, getting re signed, getting a new four fight deal, doubling his money. Um, it all worked out well. It, it really could have been, you know, imagine the story of that whole week of him getting re signed and getting the new contracts. And imagine then he did go in to produce uh, a, a fantastic performance, knocked out Romanov. It would have been one that we probably, uh, you, you wouldn't believe, but, you know, it didn't go his way. Uh, Chase Sherman, uh, unfortunately, did have to tap by a key lock. And uh, Romanov just shows how good he is. Um, the grappling is unmatched. Um, he didn't let Chase Sherman have any chance uh, in the striking uh, because every time he attempted to get back up, he got slammed back down to his head. Uh, but yeah, Romanov was, was just different level. We knew that, and uh, Chase Sherman was just another uh, another prey for him to, to eat. And um, he moves on to sixteen. No, and then he goes on the mic and he calls out. Um, I can't remember who he called out. I think it was Augusto Sakai. I might be off. There you go, Augusto Sakai. Then he goes back onto Twitter and he starts calling out John Jones. So yeah, this man is not shy of confidence, and that's what you like to see. Uh, uh, we got we got such a great heavyweight division at the moment. Young, fresh faces coming up. And I think yeah. Romanov is another one to add uh, to that list. And uh, definitely, I think uh, the ranking or ranking fight next uh, 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 has to be next for him. Um, but yeah, I, I, I do like the matchup between Andre Lovsky versus Romanov. And uh, are you intoxicated? Said the UFC about to release Chase again. Um, really would surprise me, to be honest. But uh, yeah, he also said... Yeah, around, so who knows? Uh, are you <laughs> he's, not the... says he's not UFC caliber. Don't understand why he's in the UFC. Yeah, he's proven that. I believe he's three and nine in the UFC now. I don't think uh, the UFC uh, should keep him around now. Has a record of fifteen and ten. We'll move on. The, we'll move on to the next fight. Uh, Daniel da Silva lost to Francisco Figueiredo by first round knee bar. I was very impressed by Francisco here. I've never seen him look this impressive. Uh, sure, he got. He actually did get taken down in this fight, but that was a mistake on Daniel da Silva's end. I felt like he might have been able to win this in a striking match, but. Francisco showed off his Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt and he got that knee bar right away. It looks super slick and it's crazy. We, we've seen two knee bars uh, in two weeks of uh, UFC fights. Uh, I was very impressed by Francisco here. And he deserved that uh, performance of the night bonus. Yeah, I think this is a much-needed performance from uh, Francisco Frigueiredo. Um, I, I talked about it on the previous show and I said I wasn't impressed with him. I need something out of him. Um, I, I think it showed to me this one is, you know, he, he's definitely... 
got talent. Um, I, we're just going to need to realise it in time. Um, obviously, the, the grappling's there. Um, we, we found out that with the knee bar. Um, but I, 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 I just, I'm not, I'm still not really sure on Francisco Figueiredo. Um, but uh, I, I'm going to learn with um, how many uh, when he fights again in the future. I'm going to learn how how high his ceiling is. Uh, but for right now, I, I, I'm not too sure. I don't, I don't know whether he'll be as good as his brother or uh, half as good. But you know, when you've got your champion, uh, your brother as champion, Davison, uh, you know, it's, it's it's hard to live up to. Uh, so, uh, and you're always going to be compared throughout your career. But Francisco Fredieto got the job done. Knee bar, fantastic. Um, short night, so maybe a quick turnaround is on the cards for him as well. Hopefully, uh, I don't think he'll ever even crack the crack the top ten, but. He's still a damn good fighter, and he showed it out there uh, against Daniel Da Silva. We'll move on to the next fight. Gabe Green wow. got the second round TKO over Yahan Lainez. Lainez was 8-0 coming into this fight, yet Green was the favorite here. I picked Green with a really solid confidence, so much so that I made this the told-you-so out of the week. And once again, Lainey, I told you so. Gabe Green gets the second round finish. I thought Gabe It was Green close. Was... It almost went the other way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, you were right there. Um, Johan Lannis, you thought he would land that knockout blow, and he did. He pretty much put Gabe Green's lights out, but Gabe Green was able to find his footing once again, and he went out there, and he chased Johan, started punishing him with, uh, with body shots, and Johan, throughout his whole career, he was able to put away everybody. Whenever he lands that punch, they don't get back up. But Gabe Green is a different breed, man. He got up and he punished Johan and broke him eventually. I thought Gabe Green would actually be the better grappler. I was off. Johan in the first round, he got two takedowns and he got some solid control time uh, from top position. Uh, I was impressed by Johan in that first round. But, man, it, it, he's really one of those guys where he's not a good He's not a good nail. He's a fantastic hammer, but once once the offense turns on him, he really folded here. And Gabe Green uh, once again proved that he's he's a warrior. And it's crazy that this guy was uh, legally blinded one I believe before this fight. So really good to see him uh, have his full vision and now performing very well against an undefeated uh, stud like uh, Johan. I'm very impressed with Gabe Green in this fight. This was a really fun comeback for Gabe Green. Yeah, Gabe Green just keep getting hit um, with, as you were talking about, with them solid punches from uh, Lanais, and he just kept on getting up and kept on getting in his face and walking him down. And um, I, I, I can't remember the saying. What is it? it? It doesn't matter how much hard, how hard you hit. It has about how hard you can get hit and get up and keep coming forward. And I think this is the story of the fight. Uh, Johan Lanais hit really hard, but Gabe Green got knocked down, got up, and just kept on coming. It. And I think that you know the pressure um, just just wore him down and. Um, it, it was a, a fantastic fight on the prelims. What the third fight on the prelims? The prelims were so so entertaining, and uh, it, it really kicked off a fantastic card. Um, and yeah, Gabe Green, man, wow. I mean, it, it, after the first round, um, the second round starts, and you saw Johan, you know, breathing a little bit heavy. Uh, Gabe Green comes straight out, putting the pressure on, getting in his face, and he just wore him down. And as you said, he just broke him, and then uh, eventually got the finish. And uh, I think this is a fantastic win for Gabe Green. Um, was that two in a row for him now? Um, after yeah. his debut against um, oh, it was, was it Daniel Holland? Rodriguez. Oh, Daniel Rodriguez. There you go, almost. Yeah. Uh, against Daniel Rodriguez, then in his last fight he got the win, and now he's now he's got another win. So 
he's picking up some momentum and he's a fantastic fighter. He's a, he's a gamer. He's a banger. So he's never in a boring fight. And he just, he, he just proved it once again. And uh, yeah, it was a fantastic, a fantastic win for Gabe Green. Uh, the weight division is is always it was always going to be stacked as well. Uh, he does seem a little bit short though for what weight, but uh, I don't know what, I don't know what the situation with him at lightweight, but uh, whether he could make that, but I, I'm I'm not sure. But you know, it is a fantastic win, two in a row for him now, and uh, against a fantastic prospect against Johan Lanisa, as you talked about, the grappling looked good in the first round, the striking was good. He just eventually ran out of gas. Yeah, so they put him in there with Mickey Gall next. Uh, I would really like to see that. Gabe Green versus Mickey Gall. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you don't that. you don't like Mickey Gaudi. Yeah, I've got that. <laughs> yeah, Gabe Green is on the lower end of the welterweight division. That's how stacked it is. And if Mickey Gall can't beat him, I don't know if he should be around. Next fight was the second, I would say second best fight of the night. On most nights, this is your fight of the night. Natan Levy got the unanimous decision over Mike Breeden. I thought Levy would be able to uh to outclass him. He did not. The majority of this fight, the guy was walking backwards getting pressured by Mike Breeden. Mike Breeden came to fight. I told you, Breeden is a brawler, and he was exchanging heavy leather with Natan Levy. Uh, this was such a fun fight to watch. Uh, both guys were tagged on multiple occasions. I felt like uh, Mike Breeden might have got that first round, but the second and third went to Natan Levy for sure. Uh, Levy definitely uh, got the better of the second round. He used his wrestling in that second round. Looked really good out there. He would attack in the E-bars when they were available. I like Natan Levy's uh, diversity of attacks. I think that's what makes him stand out. Um, and come the third round, Mike Breeden looked like he was about to knock out Natan Levy. Levy looked gassed. He was getting destroyed with the body shots. I thought he was on the point of breaking. But he tags Mike Breeden with uh, just a vicious punch. And he puts him in a bad spot, and uh, Breeden was already tired himself there, and that's what that's what made the difference. That second half of the round went to Natan Levy, and that's what got him the win here um, against Mike Breeden. Uh, what a fight this was! I think Natan Levy finally got to showcase his heart in this fight. Very, very fun fight. Our intoxicated says James Kraus was so good in Breeden's corner. I agree with you there, James Kraus is. Is one of those guys where if I was ever, if I was going to fight for every for any reason, I'd probably have James Kraus in my corner because the guy is uh he's a no BS kind of guy. He'll tell you where you are in the fight, and uh, he was very honest with Mike. Told him he needed to fight to get a finish, and that's how Mike did fight. But in the end, he did lose. Yeah, he's a fantastic fighter, but uh, I feel like he's an even better coach. He he's a uh... Uh, the way he plays that role is um it, it's phenomenal. As you talked about, no BS uh, sort of coach. Uh, but yeah, it was a fantastic win from the team. Levy uh, round number one, round number two, then round number three. Brennan comes out like a you know a, a man on a mission. Uh, starts swinging wild, and it, it looks like on you know he's on the edge of victory. And uh, the team Levy just is does enough to you know to, to evade trouble. Uh, but yeah, that's the sort of mentality you want from a fighter who when when he gets told by his coaches. You're possibly losing this 2-0, and then he comes out like that is um you know it's a, it's a fantastic mentality and uh, it just shows the discipline and where he's at. And if you're James Krause, I know he got the you know he didn't get the win, but you're probably proud of, of the performance and the way he came out in that third round. So you got you got a rate, and he's I, I believe he's probably still got one more fight left on his deal, maybe a free fight, four fight deal. So uh, we're gonna see him again, and he's an entertaining fight. So they definitely can't let him go after an entertaining fight like this. And the ten Levy. Um, you know, he got his work cut out for him and he had to work for it. And uh, 
uh, finally getting a win inside the UFC after his um his debut. Um, I can't remember who he lost against, but didn't go his way. Uh, but yeah, for, if he got a win inside the USA, I like his strand, uh, how, how he stands up, his stance, his striking is very good. He's got that good grappling. Um, I think he's a judoka as well, so he's got that, you know, he's got that, you know, that the trips in his uh, in his arsenal as well. So he, he put on a good performance, uh, a well needed win inside the USA. Uh, but yeah, th there is some flaws in his game. I, I think he, if if I'm correct, if I remember, he he holds his chin up quite high. So yeah, um, that's that's that, that's the one thing I noticed. Um, well, when he moves his way up and then the lightweight division, he's going to come up against someone who cracks really hard. And um, maybe he's going to have to tuck that chin a little bit. But uh, we're going to find out a lot of answers about him in the future. But yeah, uh, he's got some fantastic talent. And um, uh, Mike Breeden is an absolute savage the way he came out in round three. Yeah, well, we're on to the opener of the card. Gina Mazzani came in as a solid favorite and she lost to the underdog Shanna Young. Shanna Young has never looked better than she did in this fight. And for Gina Mazzani, I feel like she's not the one you want to bet on in, in pretty much any situation. It's just uh, she will look good in certain spots, but once once things go south for her, once she start, starts getting hit a little too much, once she starts getting a little bit tired, I don't think she has that dog in her to just bite, on, bite down on her mouthpiece and fight back. She really doesn't have it in her. Uh, quite honestly, uh, unlike her fiance Tim Elliott, um, once Shanna Young got the top position in that second round, she really just was unable to fight back and defend herself. Uh, the first round, I thought it actually was Gina Mazzani's round. Uh, I thought she would have more of a grappling advantage. That just wasn't the that just wasn't the case. Her intoxicated says, and so is Young. Her striking is trash. I'm gonna call it trash. She's a karate black belt. And she's done fairly well in the striking realm against some of her opponents. It's just she's one of the lowest level fighters the UFC has. But on the regional circuit, I'm sure she would be looking much better. But she's just fighting in higher level competition. Uh, Gina Mazzani won the first round. Second round, Shana Young uh, was losing the earlier part of the round. But it didn't matter when she reversed Mazzani's top position. It was a bad night at the office for Gina Mazzani. The, the referee gave Gina every chance, but Shannon Young was just too much for her on this night. And uh, Mazzani might be getting her walking papers if she loses her next fight. Yeah, I felt like whoever lost his fight was actually going to get that walking papers. I think um, Shana Young, um, this is her first win inside the UFC, and it was a much-needed yeah. win. So um, it just shows what you know the stakes that were up in this fight. I know it was the first fight in the evening, but there was a lot of stakes. Um that was, um, you know, on this fight, and uh, whoever lost this, as as we were talking about, might uh, face the cut from the UFC, and I think Gina Mazzani is unfortunately probably going to get cut. Um, but yeah, it was um, Sh Shane Young got a do job done uh, second round, and uh, the grappling, um, it was just a massive difference. As soon as it got to the ground, it, you know, it, it really showed out to itself. And um, uh, Gina Mazzani, I thought she was doing well striking. Uh, I think she was clipping Young, and uh, you know, she was moving in and out really well. And uh, uh, as soon as it, it, she got in close in the clinch position. Um, I think she got reversed, and then that 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 was the end of the fight. So, uh, you know, I, I, it was it was a good fight for as long as it lasted. But and, you know, I, I finished to kick off the card. Um, but yeah, Shani on getting a first a first win inside the UFC. It was uh, an all important win. Might have just saved her job as well. So, uh, congrats to her. And uh, if and Gina Mazzoni does get cut, I feel like she can probably go to the regional scene, get a few wins outside, maybe maybe try and get a short notice fight uh, back again. Uh, into the UFC, or maybe in Bellator. Um, the fight division over there is very open. Um, she could do very do over there, so it would be fantastic. Uh, but yeah, we were meant to see 
uh, the Japanese wonder kid. Um, I can't, I forgot his name. Well, I, I don't want to call him a wonder kid yet, but the Japanese prospect that we had, but uh, that was so unfortunate because that was that was the fight I was really looking forward to. Yeah, that's a real shame. It's now booked for May fourteenth. Uh, uh, I think that's a wonderful addition to that card, uh, headlined by Jan Blachowicz and Alexander Rakic. Uh, we'll move on to the next card. Uh, which one will it be, Len? Bellator two eighty. Uh, we're talking about Bader versus Kong in uh, Congo uh, in Paris. Oh my god! Yeah, I think this is all the makings for uh, a night full of finishes. Really, Ryan Bader is taking on Czech Congo in Czech Congo's home country of of uh, France. This should be a fight that ends via knockout. Ryan Bader was on his way to finishing the fight when these guys first fought. But we see we see an eye poke. If it was an eye poke, it looked more like he was picking Czech Congo's nose. That was just what I was seeing um, in that first fight. Uh, I feel like Czech Congo broke in that fight. I think Ryan Bader has the mental edge on Czech. Uh, Czech has been around for a long time. In his last fight, he was able to get himself a, a submission um, in a main event. Um, Czech Congo is always a threat. He has dynamite in his hands, even when you knock him out. If you ask Pat Barry, the guy can get right back up and knock you right back out. Czech Congo is such a threat. Uh, Ryan Bader, on the other hand, it looks like he's in better form now. Uh, at light heavyweight, he was looking really bad, but it felt like the cut to light heavyweight was damaging his performances and his durability. But now that he's back at heavyweight in his last fight uh, against Valentin Moldovsky, the former interim champion, it was a close fight, but Bader had really good cardio in that fight. He was able to tag Valentin many times. He got some takedowns. Uh, Bader, I really think, is a much better mixed martial artist than Czech Congo. Uh, it's just, can he avoid that big knockout bomb? I think he can. Not only that, I think he can tire out Chong Congo with his wrestling, and eventually I think he finds himself getting, I'll say, an overhand right. I'll say second round. I'll say second round KO for Ryan Bader to defend his Bellator heavyweight title. Yeah, this is a fantastic matchup as you were talking about. Uh, the Czech Congo after you know the loss or whatever that was, what do you want to call that? Uh, I guess Ryan Bader gets that submission win over uh, Sergey Karatonov. Um, uh, levels on the ground different though. But uh, if you look at here, Ryan Bader, I, I believe is the better wrestler. I 100, I think is the better wrestler. Um, striking wise, um, Congo as you talked about them heavy hands. Uh, I think Bader possesses um, the, the necessary knockout power to knock out Congo as well. Um, uh, and you know, I feel like maybe I see happening here is a, uh, uh, you know, Kong, uh, Congo getting clipped and then uh, probably getting ground and pounded uh, in, in you know the later rounds or maybe in early on. Um, Bade when Bade is fresh and it's early on in the fight, that's when he's most dangerous. He's uh, when he's got that you know the lactic acid. No lactic acid. He's uh, he can hit. He hits like a truck as well. Uh, and if you look at the knockouts um, against. Um, um, against um Fedor, um, I, I can't think of the top of my head. Um, yeah, he, he possesses the knockout power to knock out anyone out, and I think uh, he's got to click Congo, um, and eventually get a ground and pound finish. Um, that, that's what I like for Bader. And if he does get into that ground and pound position, Bader isn't going to let you go from there. He's he, he's a fantastic wrestler. Uh, he ain't gonna let you go, and he's going to get in a dominant position and uh, eventually pound away. Uh, but yeah, I, I like Bader in this one. I think Congo is uh, the the latest age of his career. I think he might be forty two. I, I, I believe so. Bader is the fresher man. Um, he's been more active as well. So, 
uh, yeah, I, I, I like Bader in this one. I think he's going to get the job done, uh, and I think he's going to. I think he's going to ground the pound Congo early on. Yeah, I agree with you there. We'll move on to the co-main event. I really wanted to touch on this fight. Yoel Romero is taking on Alex Polizzi. Uh, this was supposed to be Romero versus Melvin Manhoff. Melvin Manhoff, uh, I believe he had some stitches on his hands. Could not make the fight. Oh, yeah. Um, a burg- um, burglars broke into his house. or yeah. He stopped burglars. That's it. And then he, he, he broke his hand or something like that. Yeah, unfortunately. Uh, that would have been a much more intriguing matchup. This one, on the other hand, uh, Polizzi is kind of an unknown uh, to the majority of the MMA community. Uh, he's got a win over Rafael Cavallo. Uh, his only loss in his career is to Julius Anglicus, who we've seen Julius Anglicus. He performed quite well in his uh, title fight. So he's, he's definitely a stud. He's got a win over Jose Augusto Azevedo as well, uh, win over Grant Neal. He's a solid fighter. He's got good submissions. I think that's something that uh, Romero has not been challenged with in a while. Uh, he did have a submission grappling match with uh, Chris Barnett. He got Kamorba. We know Chris Barnett is one of the most limited grapplers uh, you'll see. Um, I think this is a really good spot for Yoel to bounce back. Let's be quite honest. Uh, Yoel Romero will only lose to the top tier of fighters. I don't care the fact that he's uh, like 42, 43 now. Yo, Romero is an ageless wonder. Hits like a truck. Just a once-in-a-lifetime athlete. I think he has a wrestling edge here. I don't think he'll use it, though. That's unlike of Yoel. I think Yoel, uh, just he's going to be his usual usual self. I think he he has low output, but I think he'll crack Polizzi multiple times until... I think he waits until the third round and finds that finishing blow. That's a typical UL. Third round UL is a different beast. And I think Polizzi has the tools to deal with uh, UL's physicality and his raw power. I think Yoel Romero returns to form and gets himself a third round KO. Yeah, I've got to agree with you. Um, in his last fight against Phil Davis, it was just a grappling. Um, I think we might have seen Yoel Romero get taken down five times in that fight against right. Phil Davis. And I think that... Yeah, that was the, the, the most he's ever been taken down. So it just shows, uh, you know, the level of Phil Davis. And it just shows, you know, F- Yo Romero, Olympic wrestler. Um, I think maybe a gold medalist or a bronze medalist. Of, silver, there we go. Silver medalist in the Olympics for freestyle wrestling, I believe. So it, it, it just shows, you know, how, the caliber of wrestling he is. And Phil Davis taking him down five times it, 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 in that fight. It just, um, yeah, that, was, that wasn't the best performance for Yo Romero. But I believe this is a good matchup. Um, uh, Alex Belizzi, as you talked about, his only loss is uh, to Juli- Oh, that, that name always Julius baffles Anglicus. me every time. Anglicus, there we go. Anglicus, and as you talked about, Anglicus had a good performance against um, Vadim Nemkov. Um, so, yeah, it, it, this is a good matchup, but I think as you talked about Yoromero, Yoromero is going to catch him. and uh, I think he's going to wobble him, stun him a little bit. Um, uh, I, I mean, I don't know about a finish. Um, if you look at you know Yoromero's last few fights, they've gone, they've gone to the decision. So um, it might be a good time to get a, get a finish, but I, I, I'm going to go Yoro Romero. I'm going to go. I'm going to get a decision. I'm going to go Yoro Romero. Uh, I'm going to go unanimous. Um, I think he's going to be on the verge of finishing him, but not just get there. All right. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, Alex has actually never been knocked out, but I think if anybody's going to do it, it's going to be Yoel. Yoel, um, if you remember, third round against Chris Weinman, he was down in that fight, gets a knockout. 
Uh, also, who was it? Um, the Tim Kennedy fight, vicious third round knockout. I think y'all really goes for it in the third round. It's a shame uh, the the Phil Davis fight wasn't five rounds. He thought it was a five round fight in the octagon. Pretty hilarious moment there. Uh, but yeah, Yoel, anybody, I don't care if they're 185ers, 205ers, Yoel has the potential, as in, are you intoxicated? It says in the chat, he has the potential to send them to the shadow realm. Yoel, um, if you remember the Robert Whitaker fight, I, the second one, I thought he won that one. I think Yoel is that championship caliber fighter. Um, doesn't even have 10 wins. He's, he might be maybe the best fighter to never have 10 wins uh, before this. Uh, Yo Romero is a once-in-a-lifetime talent. As I said, can't wait to watch him fight. One of my favorite fighters. That's what I wanted to touch on for this Bellator 280 card. Yeah, we've got a few other fights on there as well, but no, nothing too noteworthy. We've got Lorenz Larkin, uh, UFC um, veteran. David Gallen, um, you've probably seen him in, um, in a, a highlight reel video when he, he did that rolling thunder knockout to yep. Ross Pearson. Um, and then we've also got Mike Shipman. Uh, fighting out of England, Lewis Long. A lot, a lot of good fighters on this. We've got Soren Back versus Ch uh, Charlie Leary. That's a yep. good fight. Um, Yves Landu, I believe he's the one who did the flying knee to... Um, I can't remember. Um, I can't remember. Something. Pedro Carvalho, um, yep. former title challenger, um, fought, um, he fought Patricio Pitbull, or Patricio Pitbull, I believe. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And now he, he's fallen on short times and he's fighting... Yeah, uh, I'm yeah, not sure. I'm not even going to try. <laughs> All right. I, yeah. I say right now is the best time to transition yeah. to UFC 274. This fight, these fights will be contested in Glendale, uh, I mean, Phoenix, Arizona, excuse me, UFC 274, Oliver versus Gaethje. I think this fight is a perfect main event for this card. Uh, it's in Gaethje's hometown of Phoenix, Arizona. I really see this being a fight that will not see a third round. Both guys always go for the finishers. They they're one of the most historic um finishers in UFC's history. Oliver has the most finishes in UFC history. I think he's second for most performance bonuses. Justin Gaethje, on the other hand, he's got nine fights on. But yeah, nine fights, nine bonuses. There's no way this fight is boring. Charles Oliveira has the best submission attacks in the lightweight division. Uh, Justin Gaethje, on the other hand, I would, I would venture to say he's the hardest hitter at lightweight. This is a fight where I see, um, where I see if it stays standing, I see Justin Gaethje knocking him out early. But if Oliver can mix in the takedowns or just get a backpack or get any kind of grappling dominance over. Justin Gaethje, I 100% see Charles Oliveira snatching up an arm, a, a leg, a neck. I really think Oliveira has a huge grappling advantage here. Justin oh, Gaethje, yeah. yeah. When he fought Habib, he gave up that triangle quite easily. I'm not going to say uh, he's not a good grappler because he got submitted by Habib, but the fact that he put himself in certain spots to get submitted, that's just not a good look. When you're fighting an even more dangerous grappler than Habib, uh, Charles Oliveira on the feet against Justin Gaethje, he proved a lot to me. Because before that, I didn't think he was going to be able to stand with the guy, the caliber of Dustin, and have success. The first round was uh, a first round for uh, Poirier, but Oliveira landed a lot of clean shots. 
I was very impressed by his Muay Thai in particular. A lot of elbows, a lot of knees. Uh, he's he's a I would say he's a more skilled striker when he's fighting just Gaethje. But it just doesn't matter because Gaethje has the kind of power that will send anybody to the Shadow Realm. Here's what I see happening. I see Justin Gaethje knocking down Charles Oliveira in that first round, landing the finishing blows. But Oliveira will somehow do what he's done in his last couple of fights. I think he gets right back up, and I think he gets that backpack on Justin Gaethje, just like he got it on Dustin Poirier. And I think he gets a first-round uh, rear naked choke. That's what I see happening. I think Charles Oliveira will be too much for Gaethje in the grappling realm. I, I've got to admit, I think this fight has a, all the makings of being um, fight of the round, a fight, fight of the uh, a round of the year potential. Uh, sorry, yeah. Uh, I think that first round is going to be, it, it's going to be good. It's going to be lift off. Um, if you look at, you know, Justin Gaethje and what he's done, he's, you know, he's a highlight reel. Um, the knockouts over James Vick, um, Edson Barboza. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Um, he's never been in the boring fight, but as if if you look at his fights as of late. He's been more technical. He's been more smart. I feel like the Trevor Whitman uh, in his corner has really, really changed him as a fighter. Um, I, I was watching um, uh, the, the Embedded uh, yesterday, uh, episode one, and then I heard Justin Gaethje. It really sprung out to me. It, it made me think a little bit. Um, he said, this is the last hooray. Um, I'm putting everything out for it. And that, that, that made me think, is it, does Justin Gaethje, you know, in his mind, think this is the last chance he's got at a title? I mean, possibly, you know, how old is he? I, I maybe I want to say maybe 33, 34. Um, you know, so I, I'm not too sure. So it, he said this is the last hurrah um, for him. And um, it, it just got me a little bit um, feeling just maybe, to, to, you know, does Justin Gaethje think this is the last? Obviously, Justin Gaethje thinks this is the last one he's got. Um, and I think he's got all the means, to, you know, all, the, all the means, all the ability to win this one. Um, Charlie Olives, uh, Oliveira, sorry. Um, it, it has been cracked uh, against, um, you know, Chandler. Um, Dustin Poirier, but he's always came back um, and, and always got the job done. Um, but th th there's something different about Justin Gaethje. There's something different that possesses and, um, uh, and Chandler hits like a truck. Get Justin Gaethje hits like a truck, um, and Charles Oliveira came back and still still got the job done. But there's uh, there's something that I believe in Char uh, Justin Gaethje, and, and, and I believe he's going to put the lights out of Charles Oliveira. I think he's going to knock him out cold in that first round. I think it's going to be a, a few back and forth. I think Charles Oliveira is a fantastic fighter. Um, standing up, I think he's probably the te most technical fighter. Um, that the way he's so fundamentally sound, um, his fundamentals, uh, honestly, incredible. Um, how how he sticks to everything. Um, you know the one twos. Uh, he never gets out of position. His right hand is back to his chin. His left hand is always in you know the perfect position. Um, I think Joe Rogan speaks on him so highly, and, and no doubt, um, he's one of the best fighters that we have in the lightweight division. But I think Justin Gaethje. I don't know what it is. Um, I, I, I believe something crazy is going to happen. And if there's one guy to do it, it's Justin Gaethje. And I think he's going to put the lights out of Charlie, uh, Charles Oliveira. Yeah, I think either way, there's zero chance of this being a boring fight. Both guys, as I said, are going to go for the finish, even to their own detriment. Uh, Justin Gaethje, in his last fight, he had the fight of the year versus Michael Chandler. Are you intoxicated in the chat? Says Gaethje is knocking Oliveira out cold. I think that's a real possibility because the thing with Charles Oliveira in his last couple fights, he has been winning. Yes. But has he been getting hit and hurt? Yes. So Oliveira, he does get hit. And Gaethje, I would say, has more power than Michael Chandler and more power than um, 
with a Dustin Poirier. So against Gaethje, you can't really afford to get hit, but I feel like Oliveira has proven to me enough in those last couple fights that he does have that dog in him. He does have heart. I really questioned, uh, you know, his heart previously, but I feel like he's he's over that hump. He's a different man now, and he's as tough as nails, quite frankly. So um, when you go in there against Dustin Poirier and you just brawl against him, you give it your all, and he's just unfazed when he gets knocked down, I don't see the same doubt in his eyes as I saw when he was fighting Paul Felder, when he was fighting Cub Swanson or Max Holloway. I see a different man. And a man that has proven himself to me. Um, I think he, I think he's on his way to becoming one of the lightweight greats. Uh, quite frankly, I think he already is a legend. Uh, I think uh, Justin Gaethje will make this a very entertaining fight, but I think Charles can get right back up, and I think he can find the submission. But that's a big, that's a big, uh, you know, question mark. Can Charles get up after he gets tagged? Because I think win or lose, he will get hit clean. It's all about his reaction, and I think uh, I really like the way he's been reacting to these strikes. The guy spars hard, so he he he's really not phased these days by those wars. Hundred percent, this is a fantastic fight, and as you were talking about, uh, uh, Justin Gaethje hits like an absolute truck. Charles Oliveira, as of late, um, the way he's getting hit and the way he's coming back, it's just shown. Um, his evolution as a fighter, and uh, it, this has got all the makings to be in fight of the year, um, round of the year. Um, definitely gonna get performance of the night bonus. Um, I mean, how can you not when you know, with the, you know, what they've got on stake? Um, but yeah, it's a fantastic um, fight that we have in the main event. Uh, we've got an even, even better one in the coming event, but I just noticed that we've both got opposite ways. I've gone for Justin Gaethje, you've gone for Charlie Oliveira, so that's the told you so of the week, and it's the main event, so that, that, it go. gives it more. It gives it more to you know brag about, so I, I'm very looking forward to it. But I know as well, I think the co-main event we're going differently as well. No, no, no. We we both said previously, uh, previous to the show that we lean Carla Esparza in this fight, and I'll tell you why. Uh, Rosenama Yunus is on a really fantastic run right now. In their last two fights, she beat Zhang Weili, who was on a 21 fight win streak prior to meeting Rosanama Yunus. Uh, Rosanama Yunus is in fantastic form at the moment, Lenny showing off his rose shirt. Um, Rosanama Yunus, when she fought Ioana Janjacic that first time around in Master Square Garden, she was a huge underdog, one of the biggest in UFC history, and she goes out there, knocks her out, and then they have the rematch, and then she wins the decision. Uh, Rosanama Yunus is a much different fighter than the one we saw in that Ultimate Fighter house. And after the Ultimate Fighter um, season ended, of course, these two women fought each other for the inaugural Strawweight Championship. And Rosanami Yunus at the time was like tw- in her very early 20s, and she was a two-in-one fighter. So she had very minimal experience, and she fought Carla Sparza, and Carla Sparza was simply the better grappler that night. In the first round, she got some good ground upon on Rose. It kind of destroyed Rose's confidence because part of that, she was able to submit everybody. Um, and in the second round, it's more of the same. Carla got the takedown, and Rose gave up her back, and she tapped. She had never uh, been submitted prior to that. Uh, Carla Sparza, after that fight, she loses to Joanna Jan uh by TKO. And after that, she was like a little back and forth. 
but eventually she just got to this point where she's undeniable. I never thought she would work her way back to the title shot, but when she gets these, uh, when she got on a five-five win streak, you can't say no to her. She took Verna Jenny Robles O away from her. She beat Alexa Grasso in Mexico City. She beat Michelle Watterson. She took away Marine Rodriguez's O, and she beat Yan Shonen. Yan Shonen um, had never lost in 13 years. So she's in fantastic form at the moment. And I feel like she's starting to put it all together. Sure, the striking is not clean, but it's all a means to getting to a wrestling and just dominating. Carlos Barza uh, has not only has uh, Rose improved, Carlos Barza has improved a ton. So I really think this is a very close matchup, uh, much closer than it was the first time around. Rose Namias, of course, has the striking advantage. I think she's going to use her uh, her headaches quite a lot in this fight. I really think she's uh, she can keep this fight at distance for a little bit. But in her last fight, she fought Zhang Willy. Zhang Willy was never considered a wrestler by anybody before she went to the fight-ready camp. And Henry started to teach her some basics. Henry, of course, uh, gold uh, medalist at the Olympics. So he, he gave her some tips. And with those little tips, she went out there and she... Out grappled, in my opinion, Rosanama Yunus for three rounds. And I really thought Zhang Willy won that fight. I really did. Um, but of course, Rose, she got the judge's decision that night. And I don't think she's getting the judge's decision on May 9th, I on May 7th. I really think Carlos Barza will get takedowns in at least three rounds. And with those takedowns, I see Rosanama Yunus. I see her going for submissions. Rose, is, Rose started out as a grappler, but she's really fallen in love with her hands. Of course, training with Trevor Whitman. The boxing has never looked better. Kickboxing as well. Um, but I think she might go for submissions. And if you stay on your back too long looking for submissions, um, I don't I don't think that's a good look for the judges. Uh, Carlos Barca, she fought Alexa Grasso. She was in a super tight arm bar. I thought she was about to tap her, get her arm broken. But Carlos Barca will not tap to that stuff. Her uh, submission defense is really proven at this point. I think Carlos Barza gets just enough control time in um, in three rounds of this fight. All she needs is three rounds. It doesn't matter if in two rounds she gets pieced up on the feet. If she, she gets like two and a half minutes of control time in three rounds, I think she wins this fight. And if Zhang Lee is getting that amount of control time on you, I think Carlos Barza not only will get the takedowns easier, I think she will get more control time. And I also think there's a there's a situation where Carlos Barza gets the crucifix position like she got against Yan Shaonan, starts raining down elbows, maybe busts open Rosanaba Yunus. So I'm going with the underdog here. I'm going against the fan favorite. I'm picking Carlos Barza to win a split decision. Probably one that will be controversial, but I think Carla gets enough control time. Yeah, um, this is this one's tough for me because that you, I've always bragged up about how how much I love Rosanami Yunus. I always wanted to get it done um, in the you know Zhang Wei Li fight. Um, you know, I, it was a fantastic fight, a close one. Could have went either way. Uh, and this one is this was a tough one. This is a close one because um, we talked about it before we went on there, and I was like, when was the last time Rosanami Yunus got really tested? By a grappler, really tested since you know that Carlos Barza fight we, we talked about. It was a Jessica and George, but Jessica and George didn't really try and grapple her. But and then we talked about Zhang, uh, Zhang Wei Li, Zhang Wei Li out grappled her. She got you know it got take got the takedowns, uh, got that control time, and um, 
arguably, as you talked about, arguably won the fight. There is an argument there for Zhang Wei Li, and uh, it, it, I, I just don't like this matchup for uh, for Rojan Amunis. I think um, the grappling of Carlos Esparza, the wrestling of Carlos Esparza, is too. Too, too greater uh, for a, a challenge for Rose Namunis to overcome. Um, uh, the, you know, the levels, I think, is going to be shown. But, you know, both women have ever, have um, have had evolution since the, their first fight. Um, Rose Namunis came on to be a champion. Alcala Esparza became a champion uh, after their first fight. Um, yeah, Rose Namunis knocked out, you know, Janice and Jacek, um, who held the belt for a long time. And then... Obviously, she did uh, what happened against uh, against Zhang Wei Li in the first fight, that phenomenal kick. As she talks about, she fell in love with her striking, uh, and that's where she's dangerous in this fight. Carlos Spaz, she talked about not pretty when it comes to striking. Rose Nam Yunus, that's where she really shines. Um, but Carlos Spaz uses that, as you talked about, uses that striking to get to her grappling, and that's where it's, that's where she's going to really shine. Uh, Carlos Spaz is, is, is going to get in, and she's going to get her down, and uh, she's going to grapple her, and... Um, it, it, this is tough for me to say because I really like Rose Nami Yunus. Uh, she's my favorite woman fighter. Um, uh, you know, I, I just want to see her get. I just want to see her win. Uh, but this matchup is, uh, you know, I, I just don't like it. And um, the only way I see her getting it done is if she gets a knockout in the first round. Um, other than that, I think Carlos Esparza is, is eventually going to wear down Rose Nami Yunus. Um, we haven't really seen, well, well, other than the John and Jacek her fight where she went um, to hell. Um, but that was a striking exchange. I want to see how Rosanam Yunus looks after getting out-wrestled for two rounds. Um, how she looks when she gets up off on the stool. Um, and I'm predicting she's not going to look very well. So uh, I, I believe she might be breathing a little bit heavy in that fourth and the fifth round. And that's where I really think Carlos Suarez is going to really take over on, uh, and win on the scorecards. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. I, I actually, heading into five weeks, I thought I was going to pick Rose. But once I thought enough about it, I thought she lost the Zhang Wei Li fight via wrestling, and Carlos a better wrestler. It's actually pretty much that simple. So I, we'll I hope up. I do get. I hope I do get proven wrong though. I want. I want Rose Namunas to win so bad. It's, it is incredible. I love Rose Namunas. But anyway, yeah, let's move on because we got another fan favorite fight. Yeah, this is a. This is quite honestly uh, my second most anticipated fight of the night: Michael Chandler versus Tony Ferguson. Tony Ferguson, of course, is on the decline in his career. I'm a huge Tony fan. Might be my favorite fighter on the roster. But he's just looked god-awful in his last three fights. And I just have to look look in the mirror as a Tony Ferguson fan and say, it's time to to just, you know, give up on his title hopes. It's just That's just the spot we're in at right now. In the Justin Gaethje fight, he was coming off a 12-fight win streak. The guy was in prime form, looking so good out there. He, sure, he would get cracked early, but the guy always pulled off that comeback. But against Justin Gaethje, he cut weight like the week before. He looked like, I don't know, something was really off that night. Um, he fought Justin Gaethje, and he was getting demolished in every single round. Just his face hit with knockout blows constantly. It's one of the most disheartening beatings I've ever seen as a fan. I'm sure if you weren't a Tony fan and you thought the fight was great, I was not exactly entertained by the fight. I was, it was kind of a sad fight to watch for me. And uh, eventually, Tony Ferguson's body disagreed with his mind. And the guy just, just his body could not take it anymore. And 
The fight was stopped in that fifth round. Uh, that is a life-changing beating he took at the hands of Gaethje. And everybody thinks he won't be the same. And I was, you know, I was still thinking he could pull it off against Charles Oliveira. But against Oliveira, he gets taken down at will and held down. And the first round, that should have been considered a submission win for Charles Oliveira because he broke his arm. He broke his arm. Tony Ferguson, uh, of course, will never quit in there. Um, and that's why he stuck it through the next two rounds. But he got dominated, straight up dominated in that fight against Charles Oliveira. And then he fights Benil Dariush. And you and I were saying, this is the last fight for Tony Ferguson. This is the one where he finally goes out there and uh, looks good again. But Benil Dariush is a guy who has really high-level grappling. I want to say he's the best striker. But Tony looks slow in that fight. And on the feet, he was actually losing the striking. And he got taken down at will in that fight as well. And also, um, Mike um, Benil Dariush went for a leg lock. And... He said he heard something snap as well. Tony Ferguson will refuse to quit in there, um, but he just didn't look good in the Benil fight. It's just, I don't know what's going on, man. It might be he's getting older. It might just be the beating from Gaethje. I don't know what it is, but he looks slower. His athleticism isn't what it used to, and uh, I feel he he accepts the bottom position a bit much. Uh, so when he's fighting a former D1 wrestler, from Missouri in Michael Chandler. I think Michael Chandler is going to show up with his uh with his wrestling singlet in this fight. He he was planning on getting takedowns against Justin Gaethje, but Gaethje's also a high level wrestler um himself, so he was able to stuff those takedowns. At this stage of his career, I don't think Ferguson can stuff those takedowns. But um, I think Chandler. I think the first round, Chandler not only knocks down Tony Ferguson, probably gets a 10-8 round. I think he, he can uh, get a lot of control time from on top, land heavy uh, ground upon as well. But here's the thing with Michael Chandler. After the first round, if he can't get that finish, with by the way, he knocked out Dan Hooker after Dan Hooker took a hell of a beating from Poirier. I think Chandler is definitely uh, can get the knockout here against Tony. If he can't get that early knockout, the guy will tire out. If you remember the Gagey fight, the Oliveira fight, just many fights when he doesn't get the early finish, he's going to be tired out. And what do we know about Tony Ferguson? Say what you want about him. He really doesn't get tired in there. And he's got really good, really good uh, submissions. And that Darsh Jacob says, what if we see Michael Chandler get tagged, say the third round? What if he gets tagged with an uppercut and he has to go for a desperate shot and Tony Ferguson goes for a Darsh Jacob? That's a real possibility in this fight. That's why I would not recommend betting on this fight, even though Chandler probably should steamroll uh, Tony and uh, just be dominant. Tony Ferguson is live in this third round. Do not get me wrong, because Chandler, I would say, here's the thing with uh, Chandler, too. You could argue he's on a decline, because when he fought Charles Oliveira, he got knocked out in that fight. I wouldn't call Charles the most heavy hitter. Um, also got knocked out by Patricio Pitbull, and... When he fought Gaethje, I was shocked he didn't get knocked out in that fight because he was eating knockout blows. And that, um, just like Tony was changed by the beating Gaethje put on him, you could argue Michael might be changed as well. So what if his durability is not what it was? And we see Tony tag him. He got a submission. I think that's a possibility. But at the end of the day, I'm, that might just be my Tony Phantom glowing through the screen. Uh, I think Chandler gets a, 
a dominant uh, unanimous decision, probably 10-8 in the first round. Yep, uh, I, I've got to agree. Uh, I think my Ch- Michael Chandler is uh, going to make us to win this one. Um, I, I, what we've seen of late against Tony Ferguson, um, but yeah, it's um, it's not looking good for him. But uh, you talked about Tony Ferguson, and one thing that he still has is that cardio, um, uh, the body, um, and you know, there's there's just things that your body won't allow you to do anymore. And I think it's um, definitely the age is catching up. It's sad to see because this one, you know, Tony Ferguson was once a guy that we thought could beat Habib, and we thought we had a really, really, really good chance. And yeah, we, we, I feel like we know how that fight would have went now, sort of thing. Yeah. So. Um, and, you know, uh, you know the the losses that he's taken. Um, uh, Justin Gaethje, uh, Benil Darouche, Charles Oliveira. Um, I don't think it's not the lack of skills or or the heart or anything like. I think it's a lack of confidence. I think like uh, Tony Ferguson may not believe in himself anymore. Um, I, I I don't know what it is that was Tony Ferguson, but I, I just don't think it's going to be another good day for him. I think he's going to get dominated and um. Um, I, I, the one there's one thing that I don't want to see happen. I don't want to see Tony Ferguson starched, knocked out. I, I I don't think it will happen. I don't think it will ever happen. But that's what I, I just really don't want to see that happen. He's a veteran of the game. He's a, a legend of the game. Um, he's been around for a very very long time. Um, you know, was meant to ha- had a title shot for a three four years or something like that, and never got the title shot. And uh, when he tried to get it against Justin Gaethje, um, or when he did get it. Um, he fell short and got, you know, the beating of his life. So um, a little bit, you know, too long um, he had to waste. Um, and uh, I feel like he's, pay- he's paying the price for it. And uh, I think he's going to get dominated once again against Michael Chandler, who I think is an uh, elite fighter, um, always in physical condition. Um, if you look at the shape he comes into in fight week, it's, it's tip-top um, prime every time he comes in. And, um, yeah, I feel like we're going to find out that Tony Ferguson is um, probably – uh, his best days are definitely behind him, and uh, I think maybe the 170 jump um, would be better uh, for Tony Ferguson, and um, maybe yeah. fighting competition that you know uh, out of the lower end. So, yeah, Michael Chandler is a fantastic fighter. Hits like an absolute truck, and um, I think we're going to see it. I think we're going to see it. And, that's, and as you looked about in that first round, where Michael Chandler is dangerous, he's fresh. Who knows what could happen? We could see Michael Chandler put the lights out, but I just don't see that happening. I don't. I don't remember um, seeing. Channel, uh, Tony Ferguson really, really, really badly hurt on the verge of getting knocked out, but it, it, it was probably against um Justin Gaethje. But even then, he was taking Justin Gaethje's full yeah. hit and still coming forward. Um, he's got a chin. Um, but yeah, uh, th- this is th- this is a fight that I did re- didn't really want to see. Um, I just don't want to see Tony Ferguson take any more punishment, if I'm honest. And um, I feel like he's going to take a lot. I feel he's going to get dominated, um, yeah. which is quite sad to talk about. So. Yeah, you know what's even sadder? If this was the Tony Ferguson from 2016 that beat Javier Dos Santos in Mexico City, I would pick him all day in this fight. But he's just not that guy anymore, and we just have to accept it as Tony Ferguson fans. And we're kind of in having the same conversation in the next uh, couple of fights, unfortunately. Um, the next fight, Mauricio Shogun Hua is taking on Ovens St. Peru. Uh, Mauricio, I thought he was retired. I thought he was retired. In fact, I think Dana said he was retired, but it appears he still had that hunger to compete in him. Uh, his last fight was against um, was against Little Nog. I Paul Craig. Yeah, Little Nog. Paul Craig. No, it was Little Nog. He fought Little Nog after was that. Was it? Wait, never mind. You're wrong. You're wrong. Um, I'm. I mean, um, I'm wrong. So his last fight was Paul Craig. It was the rematch versus Paul Craig, 
And the first Paul Craig fight was a different fight. Uh, Paul Craig got a 10 in the first round, rocked them in the first round, almost finished them. But the second and third round, Shogun laid him up on the feet, and Paul Craig was begging, uh, you know, of uh, grappling for a grappling fight. But Shogun did not uh, did not put up with that, and Shogun, uh, of course, lost. Uh, well, it was a draw, but he won rounds two and three. And after that, he fights Little Nog in a rematch, and that was a close fight. And Little Nog is a guy that I really thought had no business fighting at this stage of his career. He was just really old and slow, but he was still competitive, and that shows you where Shogun is in his career. And after that, uh, later that year, he fights Paul Craig in the rematch. Looks nothing like the guy that fought him the first time around. And Paul Craig gets takedowns, lands heavy ground and pound. And in the second round, the ground and pound was enough to make Shogun tap to strikes. Shogun is not the guy that uh, fought Dan Henderson the first time around. You think that guy's tapping to strikes? Hell no. Dan Henderson hit him with the cleanest uh, shots he had in his arsenal, and the guy wasn't even thinking about quitting in there. That's my favorite fight of all time, the the Dan Henderson first fight. But he's taken an unbelievable amount of damage across his career, and one of those guys that inflicted damage on him was Owen St. Preux. Owen St. Preux, when he was coming up, he knocked out Shogun, and Shogun at that point in his career was much better than he is now. So you're telling me Owen St. Preux is coming back after um the loss to um wait no. Yeah, after the loss to um Tanner Bozer at heavyweight, he got taken out on that fight against Tanner Bozer. He had I don't know what he's doing at heavyweight, just doesn't look good at heavyweight. Um before that he fought um who was Jamal Hill. He got pieced up. But these the guys we're talking about are young guys that are much more dangerous. Then Shogun, um, I really think it's, it's a foregone conclusion in my mind personally that Owen St. Pru, even if this is a bad night for Owens, I still think he gets a knockout here. I think uh, Mauricio's durability and his heart they just aren't there. I really think he can get a knockout. Uh, I would say, I'll say he gets like a counter left hook in the second round, similar to what he did to uh, Alonzo Manifield. I really think that uh, that uh, Shogun cannot take the punches, just like he couldn't take them the first time around. I think uh, Owen St. Preux gets himself a second-round KO and retires uh, the legend, the former light heavyweight champion, Mauricio Shogun Hua. Yeah, I've got to agree with you. I think uh, there's no other way to put it than uh, Mauricio slowing, uh, slowing down. Uh, Owen St. Preux is also slowing down, but I just think he's the... Uh, the, the the fresher fighter, uh, the better fighter as of now in the, in their career. Um, and Mauricio has taken a lot of punishment, uh, as you were talking about. Paul Craig um, getting knocked out by his Oven St. Preux, uh, Dan Henderson. Um, it, it's incredible. But if you look at you know Oven St. Preux in his last two fights, he's got finished as well in his last two fights. Yeah, uh, Tanaposa, then he got knocked out against uh, Jamal Hill. Um, so uh, honestly, I think this could go either way. But if I'm thinking logically and the way. Um, you were saying it, and just I, I feel like I've got to go with uh, Irvin St. Peru. I think he's got the order means to knock out Shogun Hua. Um, this is quite sad because if you look on the main card, we've got three legends uh, Donald Cowboy's running, which is Shogun Hua, and then uh, Tony Ferguson, and then all in which could possibly lose. And it's a uh, it, it could be quite a sad night. Um, but yeah, I think Irvin St. Peru is gonna 
it, it's going to knock out Marisa Shogun Hura. And I, I'm going to keep it like that. I'm going to keep it short and simple. Yeah, yeah. I just, I think, I really don't think Shogun can take those punches anymore that uh, Ovin Simpru will, will land on him. That's just my take. Uh, we'll move on to the opener of the fight. The legend, Donald Cowboy Cerrone, taking on Joe Lozon. This is a fight between two legends that I'm surprised didn't happen when both guys were in their primes. Uh, Donald Cerrone is, of course, in the worst form of his career. Uh, not only did he lose to Joe Selecki and Craig Jones, the Iran naked choke in the last two fights, um, his last two grappling bouts, he lost to Alex Morono via standing TKO in his uh, last fight. And Alex Morono is a guy that I really don't think would have success against Cowboy in his prime, but I don't think Cowboy has that heart anymore in him, and his body just doesn't react well to getting hit anymore. That's just the, the honest truth at this point. Uh, he fought Nico Price to with Raw, um, and that was a fight where it was only a draw because Price uh, stuck his fingers in Donald's eye uh, twice in the first round. So the point deduction uh, was the reason for that. Um, for that, he lost to Pettis. I actually thought he won the Pettis rematch, in my opinion. Um, and then before that, of course, got steamrolled by Connor, steamrolled by Gaethje. And the Ferguson fight, he got wrecked in that second round. He blew his nose and uh, his eye just just blew up. And that's that's the run that Cowboy's been on. But before the Tony Ferguson fight, the guy had maybe the best performance, one of the best performances of his career against Raging Ally Quinna, who had just beaten Kevin Lee part of that. Uh, so Donald Cerrone, if he's on, he's one of the best in the world. But when he's off, he looks really awful. But luckily for Donald... He's fighting a fellow veteran, another guy that um that's just in in a bad form in his career, quite honestly. Um Joe Lozon, it looked like he retired a while ago, but he's still apparently active. And in his last fight, he knocked out Jonathan Pierce. He actually dislocated um his arm, I believe, and just TKO'd him. Uh Jonathan Pierce since then has gone on to uh have a really solid run in the UFC. So that win has aged quite well. But um, before that, his durability just, it's not good at all. It's not good at all. Clay Guida knocked him out. Um, and also, Ally Quinn knocked him out. I really think uh, all these fight of the nights, they've just been, they've been wearing on him. He's one of the guys that has some of the most bonuses in UFC history. And when you're in that kind of firefight many times, like the fights with Jim Lowe were awesome, but took a lot of damage. And he got knocked out by Clay Guida. Not many people are getting knocked out by Clay Guida these days. Uh, but I'll tell you what, Joe Lozon does have solid power in his hands. But I think Cerrone's the much better striker, even though he's a little diminished at this point. So I think uh, Don Cerrone will use those leg kicks early. I think if we see this on the ground, Joe Lozon has a really good uh, submission attacks, but Donald Cerrone, he submitted Javier Dos Anjos last year, or two years ago, submitted Dos Anjos. So I, I think on the ground, both guys have a shot of getting submission, but I will say if this stays on the feet and Donald gets in his groove, which I don't think Joe Lozon has the kind of threatening power to take Donald out of his groove, I think Donald finds himself getting a second-round head kick KO. I said it. I think Donald Cerrone will return to a vintage form with a head kick in the second round. 
I think Joe Lozon is just the guy to do it against. I don't think any ranked fighter he'll win against, but against Joe Lozon, I think he, he gets himself another bonus to add to the record. I mean, Donald Cerrone, as you thought about, is veteran. Um, been inside the game um, for a very, very long time. Uh, you know, gone up and down from 170 to 155, jumped up and down. And then he, he teased the move back up to 170, but then he said he was going to back down to 155. Um, and, that, and now it's as though he said this is the last run, um, the last de uh, designated run that he's going to make to the title. Um, uh, I, I, I don't think he's going to get, get to that title, but, you know, it, a journey's got to start somewhere, and it's starting at Joe Lozon. And um, as you talked about, this is a really winnable fight for Donald Cowboy Cerrone. Um, both men are slowing down. It's a great matchup. The UFC have matched up Donald Cerrone really, really well in this one. And um, I, I believe he could get a knockout win. Um, I, I like the body kick in this one. I like the body kick and I like the combinations uh, from Donald Cowboy Cerrone uh, ending with the kicks. Um, he's very, he, he's, yeah, that's it. That's been the story of his career is them, is them kicks. And um, uh, I can't remember the top, off the top of my head. I think it was the body kick versus um, Rick Story, maybe. Or was it? Um, sort of thing. That was a combination knockout. Yeah, that would. Yeah, that was like a body kick slash. You know, yeah. uh, whatever happened there. But yeah, the, the combinations on the body kicks and the kicks of Donald Cerrone has been a highlight of his career. And um, I, I feel like he's gonna, you know, turn the clock down, a clock back a little bit, uh, put on a little vintage performance against a very favorable matchup against Joe Lozon, um, who's also aging as well. Uh, yeah, this is a great matchup for Donald Cerrone. Uh, the UFC matched him up really well. And um, I pray to God that we see Donald Cerrone get back into the win column. Yeah. Honestly, for Joe Lozon, if he loses here, I don't feel too bad for him because he is a, a, like a successful coach. Uh, Donald, on the other hand, is a guy that um, really gets that high from fighting that he can't get elsewhere. So I just want to see Donald extend his career and continue to have fun fights and uh, stay out of the danger zone. Uh, I'll just say that. Um, funny enough, he named his kid Danger. But, uh, yeah, Donald, I hope he continues his career, but I don't want him to see him fight uh, anybody, uh, you know, any more dangerous than Joe Lozon. I'll just say that. And these prelims are stacked, man. We got a lot of, lot to go through, so we'll try to be a bit brief here. Randy Brown is taking on Chaos Williams. I love this fight. Both guys uh, have heavy hands. Um, and Randy Brown, I would say he has the grappling advantage in this fight. Um, Randy Brown is one of the taller guys at welterweight, got a really good reach. Um, but at the end of the day here, he's fighting the heaviest hitter he's fought in his entire career in chaos. Williams, chaos Williams knocked out Abdul Razak Hassan inside of a minute. He knocked out Miguel Baeza in his UFC debut. He knocked out, uh, Alex Morona as a big underdog. So chaos Williams is a guy who I don't care who he's fighting. He can knock them out. And Randy Brown, on the other hand, he's 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 in pretty good form. In his last fight, he actually fought a similar uh, kind of fighter in Jared Go Jared Gooden. Jared Gooden has since uh, been you know released from the promotion, but before that, he fought Alex Cabo Oliveira. He got a one arm right naked choke in that first round. But part of that knocked out by Luke, and he also is one of the few fighters that has been knocked out from the bottom position. So the durability. Is a concern on the Ronnie Brown side, and he's fighting Chaos Williams. I think Chaos Williams should probably knock him out here. I'll say first round. You cannot, um, you just cannot underestimate um, Chaos Williams in any fight. And Ronnie Brown already being knocked out. I just have to side with Chaos Williams for that simple fact.
Yeah, 100%. I, I do agree. I think, obviously, you talk about the grappling advantage going to Randy Brown. I do agree. Um, and then, obviously, getting knocked out from the bottom from Nico Price. That was a wild fight, by the way. Um, but, yeah. Uh, Chaos Williams hits out an absolute truck. Um, may not look pretty. Um, throws from the hips sort of thing. But, you know, it, when it connects, oh, my gosh. It is, uh, it's powerful. Um, we've seen it, um, as you talked about, against Abdul Razak Al-Hassan. And then, obviously, uh, in his last few fights. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, Randy Brown's been around. He fought Bala Mohammed, Nico Price, Vicente Luque. Uh, he's fought some really, really, you know, credible guys. Had that war against Brian Barbarena. Um, uh, a lot of finishes in his career. Um, not, not, not too many uh, decision wins in his UFC career. Maybe a few. I know the last one went to a decision against Jared Gooden. Um, but most of them, uh, he's either submitted the guy or he's been knocked out himself. So um, if, if you look at his track record, I think it has all the makings for Chaos Williams knocking him out. Uh, and I've got to agree. Uh, I think Chaos Williams is going to get him in round one and he's going to starch him. Um, I, I, I do believe. Uh, Randy Brown is a fantastic uh, character, by the way. Um, yeah, I think he has a Twitch uh, stream. Yes, um, so make sure you check him out over there. So he, d- he does a lot of gaming over there. So go check him out. He's a, he's, he's a good character. Um, definitely like to get him on a show one day. That would be, be great, great possibility. Yeah, he has a fantastic... Um, um, uh, what, what do you call it? Like, um, what, 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 what am I to call it? Um, Broadcasting voice. What do you want to say? Um, yeah, um, so yeah, that that works. Podcasting voice. He had a good. He has like a good background to his um yeah. his camera. Yeah, but anyway, it looks like he spent a lot of time in that. So, uh, Randy Brown is a fantastic fight, a fantastic character. But I believe Chaos Williams is uh, as as we both agree. I think Chaos Williams is going to catch him, and it's a uh, it's not going to be a very very good night for Randy Brown. But yes. This is a fantastic fight on the prelims. We've got fantastic fights all around the prelims. Uh, and then we move on to the next one swiftly. Uh, Francisco Trinaldo versus da- Danny Roberts. I, I, this is a fantastic fight. I like this one. Trinaldo stepping up to welterweight. Um, and uh, we last time we saw Trinaldo face uh, a British guy, that was Jay Hyber, and he put him out cold. Um, and I believe... We might see the same kind of situation. I like Trinaldo. I like Trinaldo when he's striking. Um, he's very underrated, and I, I like his grappling too. Um, I think he has all the talent, all the means to get this one done. I think he's better. I'll better if, if I'm honest. I think he's better everywhere. Um, the only thing he's lacking is his height, is his reach, and that's where Danny Roberts is. It, it, that's what he holds against him. Um, does Danny Roberts possess being able to, you know, keep Trinaldo at pace uh, at distance to keep him there? A hundred percent. Um, but do I believe Trinado is going to get in close and knock him out like he did against Jay Herbert? Jay Herbert's a big man, and he got in close and knocked him out. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not too sure about this one. But I, I, I think, in my opinion, I think Trinado is going to get in close, um, catch Danny Roberts with a punch, um, and I think he's going to put his lights out. I, I think we've seen Danny Roberts knocked out a few times in the past. I can't remember yeah. off the top of my head. Um, yeah. There we go, Michelle Pierre, a flying knee. Um, I, I like Trinado in this one, as I was saying, and uh, I, I think he's going to knock him out. I think he's going to catch him early. I'm going to go on the other side. I'm going to go with the younger fighter from England. I'm going to go with Danny Roberts. I think Danny Roberts is the quicker striker. Um, I know Francisco Trinado does have a grappling advantage here, but the guy doesn't really go for takedowns these days, unfortunately, uh, for Trinado fans. So I think he would do well for himself if he, if he would grapple more. But Danny Roberts looked fantastic in this last fight against Ramazan Amid. He was a big underdog in that fight. And not only did he get up from those takedowns, he actually had grappling offense for Ramazan Amid. His pace was really good. Gasek looked great. The striking accuracy on the feed was good. I really like where Danny Roberts is at in his career right now. Francisco, on the other hand, 
He, even though he's really old, I think he's like 43 at this point, he still looks pretty good out there. He beat Dwight Grant by split decision in his last fight. And before that, he fought Muslim Salikov, who, in my opinion, is one of the more cleaner strikers in the welterweight division. And that was a, a pretty competitive fight, even though it was a loss. Uh, part of that, he was on a three-win streak at lightweight. And it, he beat Bobby Green by unanimous decision. John McDessie by unanimous decision. And he fought the debuting Jay Herbert at the time. And he was down two rounds. And then he knocks out uh, Jay Herbert in that third round. Brutal KO. So Chinaldo, um is a very big hitter. Uh, after the Jay Herbert win, he went ahead and said, I'm going up to, to welterweight. I can't do this lightweight weight cut anymore. And I think it's not a bad move because he does well for himself. But against Danny Roberts, I feel like uh, Roberts will beat him to the punch. And uh, I think he can have a little bit of a higher output here. It's all about does Trinaldo hurt him in some rounds and swear the judges. But uh, uh, I'm surprised uh, Trinaldo's a favorite here. I know he's been in the high-level competition, but I think Robert Roberts um, might surprise some people here with his, uh, with his output here. And I think he can go for takedown, honestly, because... If he has that kind of grappling uh, offense successfully against Amif, I think he can do it against Ronaldo. So I think we're looking at a split decision here. And I'm going with Danny Roberts. Uh, I think his, his speed advantage and his age is really a factor here. Move on to the next one. It is Macy Shiasan, the ultimate fighter winner, versus Norma Dumont. Norma Dumont is a fighter that kind of, I would say she came out of nowhere. In her UFC debut, she took it on short notice against uh, Megan Anderson. And I kind of wrote her off. I found Megan Anderson was starcher, and that's what happened. But after that, she fought Ashley Evans-Smith, and she looked really good, dominated the whole fight. Then she fought Felicia Spencer. I was so confident Felicia would win that fight. But she actually looked like she was the better grappler than Felicia there. She got takedowns, and she was not threatened by uh, Felicia's Felicia being off of her back, threatening submissions. Uh, and on the feet, she destroyed Felicia pretty much. And then she fought Aspen Land. Aspen Land didn't show up, so I didn't take away much from that win. But she did have five-round cardio. I'll tell her that. So um, I think Norma Dumont, uh, when she's fighting fighters um, like Macy, she has some. I don't think she'll struggle much, honestly, because Macy is somebody that I feel like she's underperformed. She's got really good size, but she's got some big flaws. Uh, she's very hittable. Off of her back, she doesn't offer much. Um, and when she's got a big size advantage on her opponents, she will use it. But uh, it's when we're getting to that higher level of competition, that size advantage really doesn't matter as much. Uh, when she fought Raquel Pennington, she got she got hit with a 10-figure choke in the second round. Uh that was a really fun fight, by the way. But um, she broke in that fight, and she got tired. And it's Mary Renault. She got hurt as well. And Mary Renault was the oldest female fighter on the roster at the time. Uh, she didn't really impress me against Marion. And part of that, she beats Shannon Young. We know Shannon Young doesn't. It's not a competitive with anybody really at Panamway. Lena Lansberg beat her. Part of that took her. Oh, that's not that's not a bad loss. But Sarah Mraz, Gina Mazzani. Panicans, the Panicans that at the time was uh, a little underdeveloped. So I don't really, I'm not really sold on uh, Macy Chesson. Norma Dumont, on the other hand, I, I'm more sold on her. So that's really why I'm picking it here. I think she's the cleaner striker. 
She's uh she's a Santa black belt with his uh which is Chinese kickboxing. Um and I think she can get takedowns here. So I think she's not only the the, the more skilled fighter, but I also feel like she might be able to outmuscle her as as we were talking about uh oh this I was unaware that this is featherweight. I was unaware that this was a featherweight fight. I didn't know Macy moved up. But uh Norma is a very physically strong girl. Uh, the only one that really outmuscled her was uh, Megan Anderson, who's really big. I think uh, Norma Dumont will do well for himself in uh, every position in the side part, honestly. Yeah, her last one against Raquel as well. That was um, that was at February too. Um, but uh, I, I, I'm not too sure what's happening. I, I, I don't know if Macy has actually moved up or they're, they're just making this fight a featherweight up because Norma Dumont is a, a featherweight um, attempted bantamweight uh, against Ashley um, Evan Smith when she tried to get down to a bantamweight. Uh, didn't go well for her. She came in at 139, I believe, um, which is like three, three, three pounds, I believe, over the mark. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Norma Dumont is, as you talked about, is a really underrated. Um, sure note, she came in against Megan Anderson. Um, the, you know, the, the length, uh, the reach, uh, the height difference was just too much for her. She got knocked out, the power. Um, and then she, you know, she put on a good run against uh, Evan Smith. Um, then in the last fight she, uh, against Felicia Spencer, then in a one um, just before that, um, I can't, I can't, off the top of my head, um, I, I forgot. But yeah, uh, I like Norman Dorman Durant. Uh, in, as you looked at in Felicia Spencer, she, she outgrappled Felicia Spencer. That's where I thought uh, she had the, you know, the advantage of Felicia Spencer. Um, and then Norman Dumont, you know, really shut her down. And as you looked right here, um, Norman Dumont is, uh, you know, physically, I feel like she will look the bigger fighter, but Macy Johnson, obviously taller, more rangy. Um, but when you look at Norman Dumont, you know, she's going to be stocky. Um, she's going to look more powerful. And, uh, and I think that's going to really show on fight day. I think she's going to get her down. And I think we're going to see a little bit of wrestling grappling clinic uh, from Norman Dumont. And I feel like we're going to eventually maybe see um, no, actually, no, I'm not going to go with that. I think I'm going to go with decision. Decision, I think Norman Dumont's going to get the decision yeah. win, and I think we're going to see a lot of um, a lot, a, we're going to see a lot of uh, takedowns in this one, and uh, maybe grappling uh, control from Norman Dumont. Um, that's what I like in this one. Uh, I think Macy Council is just going to realize the power from Norman Dumont is going to be a little bit too much, and um, uh, I feel like she's going to fall on some well, it's going to be three losses in a row for her now, so she'll fall some on some hard times. Yeah, we'll move on to the next fight. Uh, Brandon Royval versus Matt Schnell. I think this is a very exciting fight uh, between these two flyweights. Brandon Royval, of course, is one of the best grapplers in the division. He's always active, no matter where he's at in the fight, always active. And that's what got him the decision over Brigitte Monterey. He was on his back short, but he was landing heavy elbows off his back and always scrambling, trying to, trying to get something going. Matt Schnell, on the other hand, he was also originally a grappler, but feels like he's relying on his boxing these days. And that's quite surprising because his durability is not good at all. Uh, Roy Val, um, I wouldn't say he's a huge threat uh, with pure boxing, but he throws wacky stuff, man. He'll throw those elbows, the spinning elbows. He'll throw the knees. He likes to mix it up on the feet, and I think that's something that can give Matt Schnell a lot of problems. Uh, Matt Schnell might get tagged with one of those. But at the end of the day, I think these boys will be scrambling on the floor trying to go for submissions, and it's going to be a super entertaining fight. I really think uh, that this is going to be one more exciting fight tonight, and I think they'll scramble until Brandon Rodell finds himself getting 
I'll say he, he gets himself a rare naked choke. I'll say he gets it done in round two. Late round two, rare naked choke for Brandon Royval. Yeah, Brandon Royval was a fantastic fight. He's always an entertaining fight. Um, announced himself against, you know, Tim Elliott. And then they had that, you know, that wild back and forth to Kyle Carr France. And he got the job done against Kyle Carr France, who now is fight possibly might be fighting for the title. So, and then he had that good fight against Brandon Moreno. Um, then as uh, Penjota, then got then he got the win against um Bonaterin. So um he he's had a good career so far, fell short against um you know the former champion and then Pandora um got you know went back to winning ways and then gets Matt Chanel. Um I, I, I think he's got all the meanings to get this one done. I think striking wise, uh, as you talked about Matt Chanel falling in love with his boxing a little bit. I I wrote Matt Chanel off so badly against Tyson Nam. Yeah. And then I thought Tyson Nam was gonna go in there and starch him. I don't like the chin on Matt Chanel. Um I, obviously I still don't. Um, but it, that that proves to me a lot that he's uh, his defense, his striking defense is getting a little bit better. He's getting less hit a little bit more, um, which I feel like is a good thing. But Brandon Voivre, I do believe, has good striking, but he has even better grappling. I feel like um I think he might be able to clip Matt Chanel and get Matt Chanel on the ground when uh, Matt Chanel is hurt. A days a little bit and be able to get a submission. Um, he, his unorthodox chokes are incredible. Um, he likes the you know the uh, the arm bars, uh, the arm triangle chokes. Uh, he, he's just dangerous on the floor. Um, as you talked about the scrambles, uh, uh, maybe pay a factor in this one. And if it does get into a scramble situation, I do favor Brandon Rovell. I think he's going to be to get better grapper on the floor. And um, I, I, I definitely I feel like maybe a dash choke and then the corner choke is definitely on the cards of Brandon Rovell. But whatever happens, I, I do see him getting a submission win. Yeah, I agree with you there. We'll move on to the early prelims, and even these are pretty stacked, man. We'll uh, we'll talk about Blagoy Ivanov versus Marco Rogerio de Lima. I think this is a this is a fun heavyweight scrap, but I think this is going to take a place on the ground. I really am confident in Blagoy Ivanov in this fight. I I don't know why people are more confident in this guy. I know he's a little older. I know he's the shortest heavyweight next to Alir Latifi. But the guy has the best chin in the entire division. There's nobody in this uh, in this heavyweight division that has a better chin. Just to give you a little uh, vantage point on where his chin is at, he fought Derek Lewis. Three rounds did not get knocked out. Uh, Gustav Sakai, obviously not a super heavy hitter, did not, did not get knocked out. He fought tied to Yvonne on the feet for three rounds, did not get knocked out. Rothwell, no knockout. Junior Santos pieced him up on the feet for five rounds. Did not get knocked out. He's fought some of the heaviest hitters the heavyweight division has ever seen. And he's not, I don't even think he's hes rocked in those fights. Blagoy is unstoppable. And that's what Marcos has to do winning this fight. The only way Marcos wins this fight is if he knocks him out, which I don't think he can. And you look at Marcos's track record, not only is he not a natural heavyweight, um, he spent the majority of his career at light heavyweight. He moves up to heavyweight. And at both divisions, the guy struggles against and pretty much anybody that's even considered a decent grappler. Romanov gets a forearm choke against him. When's the last time you saw a forearm choke? That lets you know the level that uh, Marcos Regier de Lima is at on the ground. Just not good. A good defensive grappler at all. Uh, Stefan Struve submits him. Owen St. Proust submits him. Gatsamora Antigulov submits him. Nikita Krylov submits him. Uh, Shoeface submits him. This guy's not a good defensive grappler. And you're telling me he's fighting Blagoy Ivanov, one of the best um, wrestlers in this division. 
He beat uh, Fedor Milianenko in a Sambo competition back in the day. I think Blago Ivanov um, probably should uh, should not look to strike here. Even if he strikes, I think he can win this fight via striking. He beat Taito Ivasa with his striking. Uh, he's really good in the clinch, but I think this is all going to be all about the takedowns. Uh, his submission attacks are not impressive. Um, so I don't think he can submit Marcos Rogier de Lima here. So I think he grinds him out for three rounds here. I think this will be a dominant a dominant win for Blagoy. I think he should be a minus 300 favorite, if you ask me. Yeah, this is a fantastic um, um, a fight on the early prelims as well. Uh, Marcus Delarima, if you look at his last fight, knocked out Ben, uh, ben Rothwell, who... Uh, you were talking about good chins. Ben Rothwell has got a solid chin on himself and, uh, it, it, you know, knocks him out in 32 seconds, I think it was. Um, he, yeah. It just shows how hard Marcus Dolima hits. But if we're talking about chins, and you know, best chins, and even of his got to be up there, as you thought about it, survived to get some of the best fighters in the world and never got knocked down, never got hurt, um, and made it to the scorecards where most fighters haven't. Um uh, so we well, got to give him some credit. Um, uh, Beloy Ivanov has got, you know, he, he's got that, um, you know, the grappling edge on this one. I, I, I believe anyone would have that grappling edge uh, against Marcus Jalima. As you look, if you look at his record, um, I believe he's only two losses, um, have gone to decision and the rest he's got submitted. Um, he got submitted against Alexander Volkov. I mean, I, I feel like it's a lot. Um, to say there, um, that 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 tells you a lot. Um, is there a submission win open for Ivanov? Hundred percent. Is that the way I see it going? Yes, absolutely. I think Ivanov is going to get a submission win. Um, I, I, I like maybe a Kimura or an armbar. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm not. I'm not too sure on this one. Yeah, actually, you you might have swayed me there because I was thinking back to the Derek Lewis fight. He actually went for a Kimura against Derek Lewis, but you know Derek Lewis has a. Re- He's got really solid submission defense. And then so he burst out, didn't he? Yeah, so... Yeah, he just yeah, popped right yeah. back up. But Marcos, Marcos has a really awful gas tank, too. Uh, when he fought uh, Maurice Green, he landed 14 strikes in in 15 minutes of fighting. So he really is scared of getting tired in there. He just quits in there when he gets tired. How on earth are you going to lose to a forearm choke in 2021? How is that even plausible? It's because the, the guy has quit in and I think he's going to quit when uh, Blagoy starts twerking on that arm. I think he gets uh, himself, I'll say, I'll say third round Kamora for Blagoy Ivanov. 100%, I do agree. Um, we move on. This was a late addition uh, to UFC 274, but nonetheless, it's a fantastic fight. It's a welcome addition. I'm a big Andre Fialio fan, super hard hitter, knocked out James Vick. Stefan Sekulich outside of the UFC. He goes inside of the UFC on short notice. Fights Michelle Pajeda. Wins the the first round undisputedly. But after that, just kind of gasses because he went too hard in the first round. Uh, but after that, he goes out there, fights Miguel Baeza and is, as an underdog. And he knocks Baeza out clean. That was so impressive. Uh, Fialio is just not a guy you want to go in there and brawl against. Uh, luckily, Cameron Van Camp is fighting him. Van Camp is a grappler. He's not really going to look to strike with Fialio. He's going to look for those takedowns. But historically, Fialio, his takedown defense is not bad. It's really not bad. Um, he used to train at AK. And people said he was very hard to get down. He's a, he's a really short and stocky guy. So that low center of gravity, kind of hard to get him down. So I think Van Camp might get himself a takedown here. Could bank around, but... Fialio is not a guy that really um, has been known to have poor submission defense. So 
I'll assume he can defend those submissions. And once we get to the second round, no, I, I in fact, I won't even say uh, we see a second round. I think Fialio will be able to get up um, after uh, Cameron is too greedy with his submission attacks. I think it'll create an opening for Andre to get up, and I think he cracks Cameron uh, and knocks him out. Uh, Cameron has actually already been knocked out before in his career, and uh, that fighter was not the hard hitter that Fialio is. So I think Fialio will be way too much for Cameron. Cameron is taking this on a week's notice. So uh, I, I, I think he'll be underprepared. Fialio, as I said, he just fought a couple weeks ago against Baeza, who is a much better striker than Cameron. I think he knocks out uh, Cameron first round, probably gets himself a bonus too. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, as you talk about, yeah, fought a few weeks against against uh, Miguel Bieza, putting a fantastic performance, got a knockout, and then I think it's going to be a great month for him again. Uh, I think this month is going to be fantastic. Fialo, um really put himself on the map against Bieza, and I think again he's going to get a knockout win um, against um, uh, Cameron Van Camp. Um, this is a, a fantastic fight, um, a good matchup. Uh, Fialo, um, and he really put himself on the map. Um, outside the UFC, you know, as we talked about the the, the knockout win against James Vick. Fought in the LFA, had a stint in the PFL, um, but yeah, uh, he really shined when he went uh, yeah, when he fought James Vick, um, knocked him out. Then he got, went on that little knockout spree, got into the UFC, had success against Michelle Pierre, and then obviously um, fell short. But uh, then he got the win against Bieza, and now here we are against Venkam, and I think he's going to carry on the momentum, and I believe he's going to get another knockout win. Um, and I think I'm going to keep it short and simple. I think he's going to knock him out in either round one, two, or three. I think he's going to be the round two or three. I think he's going to be the late ones. Yeah, I agree with you there. Um, we'll move on to the next fight. Tracy Cortez finally back against Melissa Gatto. Melissa Gatto was one of my nominees for most improved fighters in 2021. Before her return, she was she actually got signed in the UFC, and uh, they found out she had um, illegal substances in her system, so she got banned for two years. She came back after two years. And she looked like a different fighter. Her striking was very limited part of that. And then she goes out there, fights um, who is a Victoria Leonardo, and she breaks her arm in the first round with a kick. And after that, just pieces her up. Um, Gatto's striking looks super evolved. And after that, she fights Sajari Eubanks, who doesn't have a good record, but she's got a really good skill set nonetheless. And I thought Gatto um, was going to be. Um, in a very tough spot in there. Uh, she's got a jujitsu base, and I didn't think she had the striking to put away Sajara. That that just wasn't the case. She hit Sabara with a teep kick. Sajara right to the uh, hits Sajara with a teep kick right of the body, folds her, gets the finish. I was so impressed by that. And now she's fighting Tracy Cortez, who is a nightmare of a matchup for the majority of women. I really, um, Outside of the rankings, really. Tracy Cortez is one of the better wrestlers. She fights out of fight ready, which is, I would say, more of a wrestle-heavy gym. Um, and she's got solid wins out of record. She beat, she beat Blankfield uh, by split decision. I didn't, she, I didn't think she won that fight, but the name is on the record nonetheless. She beat Agapola, Mello, Egger, and Keish. But the Keish fight was a real red flag for me because she's not, not exactly a great record. Uh very limited, I would say, on the ground. But Keish got up, and she really hurt Cortez on the field. A lot of times, I bet on Cortez to win a decision, and it was very close. It was a split decision, in fact. Um, 
So this is all about Ken Gatto when it's on the feet. Hurt Cortez, I'm not entirely sure. So I think Cortez wins the decision here, but there's a real danger of uh, of Gatto attacking an arm because she's got a nasty arm. She uh she was able to submit uh Hosa on the regional scene now once once before. So there's gonna be real danger spots for Cortez here. Um, this is an appropriate step up for Cortez, but I think Cortez wins uh, a decision here. Um. But uh, Gata will threaten her with something, but I don't know if she can finish her. Yeah, this is an inter interesting matchup because Tracy Cortez has been out for uh, just a little over a year. Um, do I want to call her Tracy Cortez or do I want to call her Tracy Ortega? Uh, because them two have been uh, linking up. But, uh, yeah, soon enough. Soon to, soon to be, uh, maybe. But yeah, Tracy Cortez has been away for uh, just over a year. Um, it'd be interesting to see how she looks. Um, you know, as you talked about, had that win over Melo, had that win over... Um, uh, Aaron Blanchfield and Victor, and then had in the last fight against Kish. Uh, Kish, as he talked about, not not the greatest of fighters, um, grappling wise, striking decent. Um, as she's shown, shown against uh, Lima McFarlane the other week. Um, Gatto, as he talked about, um, striking is much better than I, I'd say much better than Tracy Cortez. That's where I feel like she can really cause uh, that, that you know the, the, the damage. But when it comes to the grappling, I feel like that's where Tracy Cortez can really shine a little bit. Um, we don't know how she's what she's been learning in this year when she's been away. Um, I feel like we're going to see improvements for Tracy Cortez. I feel like we're going to see more of a striking, um, uh, definitely a striking improvement uh, on her defense. Uh, and I believe her striking the offense will be good to set up her takedowns. Um, and I feel like we're just going to see overall better before uh, overall better Tracy Cortez than we did against Justin Kish. Um, I feel like she's going to really shine against Gatto, who's also undefeated. Um, well, not also undefeated, who is undefeated uh, with them two. Is it no contests or draws? Um, two draws, I do believe. Yeah. So, um, yeah, this is a good fight in the flyweight division. It's good to see Cortez coming back fighting again. Uh, I, and I believe she's got all the makings to get it, what, this one done. I feel like she's going to put in a good performance and, uh, you know, ignite uh, what she really left off. And uh, I feel like she's going to really showcase a lot more um, in this one than she did against Justin Kish and showing that she actually did learn um, a lot while she was gone. We'll move on to the next fight. Clayton Rodriguez versus CJ Vergara. I love this fight. Both guys are Dana White's Contender Series alums. Clayton was one of the most impressive guys of the last season. He looked so good out there. He was finding a guy that was uh, more of a pure boxer. And what does he do? He uses all of his limbs to his advantage. He uses his elbows, his punches, his kicks, his knees. His Muay style was so good out there. Um, I love his whole game. And he's super good in the clinch as well. Uh, CJ Vergara, on the other hand, is another guy that's got really good Muay Thai. In the contender series, he fights um, He fights a, uh, a former UFC vet on the contender series. He beats him in like 30 seconds with a knee right to the body. So both guys are very capable of getting quick finishes. But I would say both guys are durable as well. Uh, CJ, in his UFC debut, he fought Ode Osborne. It was a close fight, but Ode landed the heavier strikes and got the decision win. Uh, Clayton, of course, is his UFC debut. I think he's the better striker here. And not only that, I think he has a better output. He's always busy, man. As I said, he uses all of his limbs. So he's always uh, he's always creative. And he's got, he's got diverse attacks. So I think he should outpoint uh, CJ Vergara here. I think uh, I think he can really chew up that lead leg of his, 
And as I said, we're going to be seeing a lot of diverse attachment plates. And, and I think people are going to be uh, hyping this guy up after he gets this unanimous decision victory. Yeah, I've got to agree with you. I think Clayton is an absolute animal. Uh, as you talked about, one of the standout performers on the Contender Series last year. Um, and as you talked about, used all his limbs. His Muay Thai is absolutely phenomenal. And uh, I feel like we're going to see another fantastic performance uh, on show once again uh, from Clayton Rodriguez. Um, Vergara, he's always excited. If you look at his track record, a lot, a lot of um, finishes, flying knees, knees to the body. His highlight reel is phenomenal to look at um, uh, and to watch. Uh, but Clayton Rodriguez, um, I feel like that, that contender series win, his performance over there, it, it, it's um, I, I have high hopes for this guy in the flyweight division. The flyweight division is stacked, and I feel like these two are going to really add to it as well. Um, uh, Vergara not getting the best of uh, showings in his debut against Odin Osborne, but I believe this is going to be a good fight. Um, but I just believe it's not going to go his way. I think Clayson Rodriguez is going to clip it. Uh, not clip him, because if you look at Clayson Rodriguez, a lot of decision wins, uh, a few submission wins, but uh, his Muay Thai is beautiful. Um, but yeah, uh, I think Clayson Rodriguez is going to take this one to the scorecards, and I think he's going to get the better of uh, Vergara on this one. Yeah, I agree with you there. We'll move on to the next fight. Uh, Ariane Carnelosi versus Lupi Godinez. This is a banger, man. Uh, this shows you how stacked the strawweight division is. Both of these women aren't even ranked. Ariana Kalinosi in her last fight, she fought Estella Nunez, um, and she got a third round rear naked choke in that fight. Part of that, she had a absolute war with uh with who was it? Uh, not Liang. It was the opening uh, fight on UFC 261, and the fans probably didn't know who both women were, but I'm sure they knew them after. Both women really put it out there. Ariane, she actually got knocked down right away. But eventually, Naliang tired, and she ground and pounded her on her way to uh, TKO. Uh, Lupi Godinez has, has has had one of the most fascinating careers, uh, early UFC careers I've ever seen. She had the quickest turnaround. The wait, was it the the first time ever that a fighter fought on back to back weekends in UFC history? Um, she's an absolute um, an absolute warrior. She will not. She's somebody that really means it when they will fight whenever the UFC calls them. Um, in her UFC debut, she fought Jessica Penne. She lost the split decision. I didn't see she lost that fight. She did way more damage on the feet. Uh, after that, she fought Silvana, Silvana gomez Wars. She got an easy armbar in the first round. Uh, started showing more wrinkles in her game. After that, she fought uh, Luana Carolina. It was literally the week after. It was up a weight class. And she just couldn't get Luana Carolina down to the ground like she got Silvana down to the ground. So that's why she lost that fight. But after that, she went ahead and fought Lomo Lugabuni, one of the best Muay Thai strikers in the UFC, but undersized. So she's able to get it to the ground and dominate there. So when she's fighting Carnelosi, somebody her own size, I think she will be able to get some takedowns here and uh, look to get some submissions. But Carnelosi has defended her um, herself pretty well on the ground. And on the feet... I do think Godinez has the much cleaner boxing, and Carnelosi was getting a hit a lot against uh, against Estella Nunes. So I will side with Lupina Godinez in this fight. I think this will be a close fight, but I just uh, I just think Carnelosi gets hit way too much, and Godinez has not has not shown any evidence of having a bad chin to where she can get cracked by Carnelosi and be hurt. So um, I really think Godinez is the more skilled fighter in. Uh, I think she finds herself getting a unanimous decision in this fight. 
Yeah, Ludina Gu- uh, Lupi uh, Gudinas, as, as you talked about, uh, seven days or, you know, back to back weeks. Um, I mean, when we talked about that matchup against Luana Caridine, we both agreed it wasn't a good matchup to take. Um, probably not a wise decision, but, you know, she, she probably just was, I feel like she wants to earn money. She wants these quick turnarounds. Um, uh, we've really seen some fighters uh, during, you know, the, the, the the covid uh situation if you get a quick turnaround that's where you can really break out as a star and that's the same thing happened with loopy she really you know showcased herself to the fans um back to back weeks um got a really good spotlight and then obviously in her last fight she got she went back to winning ways uh and uh, against um loom look boomy uh so and and this one's a, a, a good one against Carla lucy who we both I, I believe maybe wrote her off against Nunes as well, and she got the job done. Um, but yeah, this is um, a weird one uh, for me. But I, I like Lu- Lumi. Lu- I like Lupi G- Godinez in this one. Um, I feel like the grappling, obviously, the grappling edge is uh, very significant in my opinion. But uh, Lupi is very good on the ground. Uh, we've seen her, you know, the submission threat, um, her control time, uh, her, her, the way she could scramble. Um, it's, it, I feel like this is where we're going to see the fight. Um, the both both women are five foot two. They've reached very similar, so they they kind of look it in the mirror, sort of thing. Um, but yeah, I I believe um, Lupi Gundinez is going to be able to get this one done, uh, and I think she's going to be able to use it by using her wrestling, the control time, and uh, uh, Ari Carlisa. said I wouldn't surprise me if she throws something off her back. Yeah, I yeah, I think Gundinez um is super dangerous on the ground. Uh, I actually thought. She was more of a boxer, but she really started showing off her grappling. And she's somebody that's very young, too. So she's only going to get better. I see her cracking the the strawweight top 10 uh, sooner than later. We'll move on to the next fight, the opener on the card. This is a fantastic way to kick off the card. Journey Newsom taking on Fernie Garcia. Fernie Garcia is one of the many uh, Mexican strikers that came off the Condemned Series this last season. I felt like they, there was a lot of a lot of uh, Hispanic strikers that came out of there, and he's, he was one of the standouts. He's a traditional uh, he's a traditional boxer, I would say, and he's fighting Journey Newsome, who he's he's fallen out on tough times in the UFC, but that doesn't mean he's a bad fighter. Um, he actually does have boxing experience as well. Um, but UFC debut, he fought Ricardo Hamos. That is not an easy fight on your debut. Then he fought Domingo Pilarte. He knocked him out in 38 seconds with an overhand right. Um, then he fought Randy Costa, of course, got hit with a head kick. Um, got straight up starched in that fight. I think this is a fight where um, both guys, they do have the boxing pace. But at the end of the day, I think Journey is a more complete mixed martial artist. I think he's got good leg kicks. And Fernie, as I said, he's a boxer. So... His leg is going to get destroyed by Journey Newsom's leg kicks here. Um, on the ground, I, I'm i not entirely sure who has the edge. Fernie does have some submissions on record, but those are really low-level guys he did it against. So I I do think um, that we won't see any grappling in this fight, really. Um, I do think Fernie's the more durable guy. Journey Newsom got knocked out by Benito Lopez in the first round uh, before, so... Uh, if they're in a firefight, this could be a situation where uh, where Fernie knocks him out. But Fernie, um, historically, not really a knockout guy, more of a decision guy. So I will side for with Journey Newsom here simply because uh, Fernie is inexperienced in the UFC. And uh, 
I really like uh, Newsom's use of his leg kicks. I think we can get a decision here, but it's going to be a close one. Yeah, as you talked about there, Newsom get knocked out Benito, uh, Benito Lopez, and obviously uh, in his last fight, which seems like a decade ago, against um, Randy Costa when he got head kicked uh, and then uh, ultimately finished. Um, but yeah, um, does as you talked about, does Garcia possess that you know the knockout power? Um, as you talked about, not a lot of uh, finishes on his record. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, Johnny Newsom, as you talked about, is a more you know complete mixed martial arts has them hit, um, has them kicks in his arsenal. Um, but he'd be able to mix it up for, I think, the grappling as well. I think he's got the grappling advantage, in my opinion, as well. Um, I think he might be able to be able to mix that in um, with, with his striking. Almost dropped my mic. Um, with his striking. Um, and if he talks about if they go into a firefight, I do fade, I do um, side Garcia because we've seen, as he talked about, uh, as I talked about, Newsom get knocked out in the past. But I'm going to go with Newsom. Um, I, I, think he's gonna, I think he's got the meanness to get this one done. Um, I, I feel like if he does get into a dangerous fight, um, I, be, I think he might be able to use the grappling as well um, uh, in this one. But I think Newsom is going to be able to keep this one at range, use his kicks, as you talked about, use them calf kicks and really shut down the leg. Um, use the the teep to the body. I think the teep to the body would be important to keep his uh, keep Garcia at range. Um, and uh, just not get clipped as well. So that would be a good one um, uh, for, for, for Newsom to try and hang on to. Uh, but this is a fantastic fight to kick off the prelims. I definitely feel like um, this is going to be a firecracker to get the fans going, um, getting rolled up. Yeah, this is a 15-fight card, and I love this card on paper. Uh, I don't want to see anybody critiquing this card. It's full of big names, legends, and uh, people that I see sticking around in the higher level for a while. So um, make sure to tune in this Saturday, wherever it's available in your area. And uh, this main event, Charles Oliver and Justin Gaethje, there's no way it will let you down. I don't see a scenario where we see a third round in that main event. A hundred percent. And uh, it, it, this is a fantastic, uh, as you talked about, co-main event, main event. And uh, as you talked about, if there's one safe bet, surely it's um, rounds um, under five or 2.5. Um, I, yeah. I, I think that would be a good one. So, um, yeah, I'll give you I civil mean, slips. I'll give you silver slips right now. Oh, yeah. I still under. need that audio, Silver. Come on. All right. The under two and a half for the main event. Uh and I say uh Naman Yunus versus Esparza to go with to go the distance. Um can you scroll down a little more in the card? Oh yeah. Um yeah. Uh, Shogun. Um Shogun to lose via knockout to Ovin St. Pru. And I will go ahead and say I'll say uh scroll down more. Brian Royval. Brent, no, never mind. Not Brian Roval. I'll say Blagoy Ivanov. I think Blagoy Ivanov is, is the guy to pick this week. Oh, Andre Fialio by knockout too. Ooh, there's so many. There's so many bets I like on this card. Usually I try to dwindle it down to four. It's so hard this week. So um, the final one will be Blagoy Ivanov, Brandon Royval, the under two and a half in the main event. And, uh, and uh, Owen C. Pruvi and Naka. Those are the top four. I mean, I like the bets. I like that under 2.5 uh, for the main event. Um, I mean, surely someone's getting finished in that, in that first or second round. Yeah. And, uh, if Justin Gaethje don't knock out Charles Oliveira, I mean, Charles Oliveira submits Justin Gaethje. So um, it, it's a meaning for a great fight. Um, yeah. I'm very excited to hear it. We, we've been on air 
for two hours and seven minutes. Wow. I think my, my, my dinner has been cooking. I can smell it. I'm hungry. Um, I, and I feel like these fans are sick of our voices. So what do we yeah. say, Oscar? Should we, should we leave them? And then we'll see them next week where we get to talk about and unwrap everything that is happening or is going to happen this weekend. Yeah, and then we preview Blahovic, Rakic. I say we say goodbye to the fans. Make sure to enjoy the fights. 100%. Uh, make sure you enjoy the fights. Have a good weekend. And uh, 100%, I guarantee you uh, this weekend, uh, the fights will not let you down. You can repeat this. You can replay it. And uh, I, I just, I, I have 100% confidence that the fights are not going to let you down this weekend. Um, we got Bellator as well on Friday uh, or Saturday. I can't remember. But Bellator, Paris, make sure you tune into that. And UFC 274. Wow. What a fantastic episode we've had. Two hours and seven minutes, uh, eight minutes now. And uh, we're going to let you all go. Enjoy the fights this weekend. We'll see you, see you all next week. Thank you all for listening.